This is Mad Unreal, episode, man, I think it's episode eight, or chapter eight. Chapter eight. What I do like you prefer, that. episode or chapter? Well, episode officially, but let's, say just, let's just say chapter for this episode. Just till we kind of get through the next few. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. So, Isaac. Yes, sir. Isaac. Yes, sir. Isaac. <laughs> What's up? We're going to talk about the Mandalorian a little bit in this we episode, get to that. right? Right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to have issues. Okay. All right. We're going to get to all that. We're going to handle your issues. Isaac. Get you on the couch with some Kleenex. You know. Isaac. <laughs> I'm beginning to have issues. Okay. And this is, you don't need issues right now, but I understand <laughs> there are some issues. We're going to get to all that. Um, let me ask you, how are you feeling about um, episode nine only being five days away, I think, at this point? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, I, I'm I'm to the point where I don't want to see any more. Tra- I don't want to rewatch any more trailers. I don't They've been dropping a lot of TV clips, haven't they? A lot for, of TV they clips. They sure have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, lost, like, I, don't, I, I just want to get to it. Yeah, I lost track how many TV clips they've dropped. Seems like I have a new one just drops on YouTube every day. It's like, you know, blah, 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 mm-hmm. clip, blah, 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 clip. Did you see the, Did you see the one before you artwork. stopped watching? Did you see the one with mm-hmm. the uh, the emperor, you know, basically saying, I've been every voice that's been in your head. And, you know, you saw that one. Yeah, I did. And I mean, I'm still holding on to to some misdirection there. Mm. Um, I just believe that if if dude is there, you're going to show him. Mm-hmm. Either mm-hmm. either gonna show him or you're not, and because you're not showing him, then not that the not that Palpatine is not involved mm-hmm. in the storyline, but he's not involved in the way that the rumor mills have been. Um, um, you think there's a twist? I just think there's a different twist. I don't think he's cloned. I don't think he's. I don't. I don't believe that he's physically present. Mm-hmm. However, they do it. You know, if it's if like a it's, Sith version of a Force ghost, yeah, like if it's outer glow, right? Like if it's like an outer glow effect, and there's you know, and mm-hmm. uh, there's there's Darth Sidious, or or however that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I just believe that after all of these first looks and trailers and concept arts, the only thing that we've come close to seeing of what could be Palpatine slash Darth Sidious is that official trailer part where Ray and Kylo both strike this figure with their sabers and it like crystallizes apart, like disintegrates mm-hmm. into like, you know, geometric pieces. Remember that's, it's like, yeah, a, it almost, goes, almost looks like a quick. statue of a uh, Vader or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But you know, and this is like I said in the, um, you know, you and I talked about it via text the other day and, I do feel like my gut is telling me this movie is going to be visually, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be stunning. Uh, I, yeah, visually. I have no doubt. The ocean scene sequences that right. I've seen is just, oh. the, the The space battles, that's it's, it's all going to look incredible. I, I have no mm-hmm. doubt about that. And I think that we're going to get a lot of questions answered. You know, I think a lot of the questions that, you know, were brought up in Force Awakens and then, you know, a lot of the questions that got like, you know, um, went exponential in the last Jedi. I think there's going to be a lot of wrap up about those questions, but I do feel like it's just going to be my, I mean, this is, you know, gut, you know, we'll talk about this right. on, you know, new year's day on the, uh, the special star Wars episode, but my gut is just telling me it's going to be an okay film in the sense that like the force awakens was an okay film. Like some people loved it. Some people thought it was cool. Nobody really hated it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's like some people hate it, but you know, the majority of people didn't hate it. But I think the consensus is like, yeah, that was that was a good movie. I think that's what 
this movie is going to be. It's going to be a, a crowd pleaser in the sense that it's going to cater to fans and answer a lot of questions. But I don't see it being like, you know, Empire, you know, Empire Strikes Back, um, New Hope. You know, I don't see it being like that level of a film where it's like, oh, my God, this, you know, this film was just so good. What about Rogue One? You think it could be as good as Rogue One? No, no, no. Rogue One is my, I'm with you. Rogue One is my favorite of the new, you know, the new ish. Mm -hmm. Rogue One is Mm -hmm. my favorite since the original trilogy. You know what I'm saying? It's my favorite movie since the original trilogy. But um, nah, I don't see it to be, I, I, it may on, it's, in terms of scale, you know, in terms of like Star Wars scale, it's going to yeah. be more epic than Rogue mm-hmm. One out, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. um, do I see it though being as good a film as Rogue One, especially the, the third act of Rogue, of Rogue One? Nah, I don't see that. Um, but uh, you know, for me, man, it's like, I feel I'm, I'm not so much, and I know I may get some hate for this, but I'm not so much excited about seeing the film as I am finally getting it over with. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I want to get those questions answered. I want to get everybody go see the movie so we can just stop talking about this sequels trilogy. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's like that, especially since last Jedi, there's been that kind of cloud like hanging over, like, you know, the debates, you know, about this, the whole sequel trilogy. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. I know this just this sounds messed up, but I'm kind of looking forward to it being over and we can move on from this, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying, and see what happens next with not only with The Mandalorian, but with um, Obi-Wan, with Clone Wars, with whatever, you know, uh, cinematic thing they do next, whether that's Kevin Feige's movie or whatever it is. I'm kind of looking forward to just kind of moving on away from this, you know, sequel trilogy. Not to say that there weren't good things to happen in the sequel trilogy, especially with uh, The Force Awakens. Right. But um you know i'm looking forward to this film to and, and i hope it's great i hope it's a great movie you know that'd be that'd be a nice surprise if this movie turned out to be the best thing since the you know the the uh the original trilogy that'd be great mm-hmm. um but either way i'm just i'm kind of excited to kind of you know close this chapter and let's let's move on and move and see what's what's going to happen next so <clears throat> with that said i think before we jump into the show a couple housekeeping things a couple housekeeping notes um, just want to remind everybody again about um, our New Year's Day um, special episode, which is going to be a complete Star Wars wrap up of um, not only the Rise of Skywalker, but season one of The Mandalorian. Um, so you guys make sure you, you know, after you wake up from your drunken stupors or whatever you did on New Year's Eve, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know exactly how y'all get down, but whatever you did on New Year's Eve, um, you know, when you wake up on New Year's Day. Um, definitely, definitely check out this episode. It's going to be wall to wall Star Wars. Um, we're going to dive deep into everything um, about Mando and about um, not only uh, Rise of Skywalker, but our thoughts on the whole, you know, the sequels trilogy. So a lot of the stuff that we've been kind of dipping into a little bit over these eight episodes, we're just going to go full, full on dive um, in this special Star Wars episode. Um, oh, and also Arturo. Um, in beginning, probably beginning in February of next year. And so in about a, about um, a month and a half, um, we're not, I'm not going, we're not going to announce all of the details right now, but we are, we are planning a very special kind of ramp up from February into April, um, for no time to die, a very special 007 James Bond ramp up that we're going to kind of fit into each show and kind of you know, build up to this, um, this, you know, 25th bond film, 
because this this film is you know it's it's special in the sense that you know it's always special when a new Bond film drops. But it's been five years, man. It's been five years since um, Spectre, um, and this is the last Craig movie. So this you know is something that um, it's, it's a shame that it doesn't happen more often. You know, back in the day before you or you you or I were on this earth. Um, Bond movies came out what like every year, every other year at least. Every but, year, every, yeah. yeah, every other year. Yeah, but <clears throat> it's been five years since Spectre, and only you know Daniel Craig has been James Bond, I think, for fourteen or fifteen years, and he's only done five. This will be his fifth movie. So, um, as as sad as it is, it's, it's you know it is still a monumental event. Um, so we wanted to celebrate this and have special um James Bond uh content leading up into up up to um no time to die. So look out for that. We'll have more information for that about that coming up. Um but I just want to to plant that seed and let you guys know about that right now. So that's all I got, man. You got anything? Um yeah I got plenty but we gotta get to these topics. So <laughs> this is mad unreal. Let's go quite a few trailers mm. actually more well let me say this and i'll qualify it. more mm-hmm. trailers than what i expected pre episode nine star wars mm-hmm. um but i kind of get it where you want to get into the minds of movie viewers who would be interested in star wars um and also other unreal type films um get these in the faces before Star Wars happens so that after the new year, mm-hmm. when we do probably the second trailer of several of these films, right? You know, you 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 can reference what you saw before and really get invigorated about let's, it. Let's let's call several it several of these films are summer films, I think. Yeah, let's call it what it is, though, man. This is fear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, this is fear because it's like when well, you know you're looking at the calendar and you know, okay starting like December 15th, you know, or maybe even before December 12th, uh-huh. you know, that Disney is about to ramp up, you know, which they've done, you know, they're going to ramp up everything, getting ready for episode nine. So it's like, we have to get, if you're somebody else, you know, you've got to get, like you said, you've got to get your shit out there. Got to get yourself, you know, that, um, in that news cycle early in December, late, late, like right after Thanksgiving, going yeah. into the early part of December because if you wait around till mid-December you about to get drowned out you know mm-hmm. which kind of mm-hmm. happened I'll mention it in a second it kind of happened with a couple of the trailers we're going to talk about but not in that way though but yeah there was there was there was definitely like a rush you know um, in the last couple of weeks of trailers a December of trailers as we're calling it so what's the first what's the, what's the first trailer you want to look at you want to um, talk about Black Widow Black Widow my girl Scarlett Johansson's Starring role, lead role uh, to get into uh, Natasha's backstory. What's Natasha's mm. last name? Romanoff. Do you know? Romanoff. Romanoff. Yeah. But let me ask you. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. Is it too late? Did they wait too long, bro? Did Disney, did, did uh, yeah, Marvel, I think so. MCU I wait think so. too long to put this film out? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I think so. I mean, even if they could have put, put, a, put a teaser out in, in November. Mm-hmm. That probably would have been. No, I'm saying the actual film, though. The actual film. film. Yeah. Is it too Um, late? Was it too late? Should this have been? This is the beginning. This film will be the beginning of phase four mm -hmm. for Marvel, for the MCU, which is odd because it's a prequel, but it's the beginning of phase four. So it's the first, truly first post endgame 
movie. They had, you know, uh, Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home, but that was kind of right. like a bookend, you know, epilogue to Endgame. So this is the like first truly post-Endgame film, and it's a prequel. So do you feel that this is a movie that should have come out? Because it takes place, for those that don't know, this film takes place between Civil War, um, Captain American Civil War, and not the real, not the American Civil War or yeah. the or the uh, Spanish Civil War, or any other Civil Wars. <laughs> Talking about Captain the, America, the actual Civil, film titled Captain, <laughs> Captain America: Colon. War. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get confused. Like she's not mm-hmm. that old. Um, the actual, you know, Captain American Civil War and Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So it's post Civil War. So this is this is taking place. Remember at the end of Captain America: Civil War, she switches yeah. sides sides with Cap and. Uh, uh, Bucky and you know runs off with you know um Cat Bucky and uh Falcon and you know his the, the renegades the rebels um so should this movie though have happened before say I don't know what was the last I think Ant-Man was the last I can't remember what was the last movie before Infinity War it might have been might have been it was Thor I think it was Thor Ragnarok was the last film MCU film before Infinity War but should this Yeah have, it was it was should this movie have come out or no 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 you know what it was it was black panther remember black panther came out in february infinity war came out in was that 2000 i'm getting all confused you guys will hit us in the in the comments and the tweets you'll correct us um but anyway should this movie have come out in phase three bottom line i say no now here's the thing you could argue that it should have Mm. but i think that it should not have because i don't believe that i think it has a better chance of making a sizable profit now mm-hmm. than it would have if it came out earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I disagree. I, I agree with you. If this is a business, you know, completely business decision, mm-hmm. but I think cause Captain Marvel and shit, Captain Marvel may have been the last movie before infinity war. That's why I said we, we need to, we need to keep like the Marvel timeline. <laughs> just like, have like uh, a little guide that I can just stick on my monitor. Right. Yeah. Or just like, yeah, we need like a little pamphlet or something. But, um, Captain Marvel became the first female led MCU, you know, movie. And I think that's a shame for many reasons, but one of the, the main reasons, cause I felt like black widow deserved her story to me is one of the more interesting stories. Um, I haven't read, you know, I, I read her a little bit in the comics back in the day because she had a really tight connection with Daredevil um, in the comics. Um, Natasha did. And so I read her through some of the Daredevil comics mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she had a really good series come out a couple of years ago um, with Chris Wade, I think was the writer. Um, and it kind of got in her past and the Red Room and her training and, you know, what happened to yeah. her as a kid, all that type of stuff. It was, it was really good. It's kind of noirish, noirish, I should say. Um but that, you know, I felt that her story is really interesting. I was like, you know, she should have been her her movie should have been one of the earlier ones that was told. It should have been out there with the Iron Mans and the Thors mm-hmm. and the Captain mm-hmm. America. It should have been mm-hmm. one of them earlier ones. So I think, in my opinion, I feel like they waited too long. And now we're talking about, you know, sp- spoiler alert, we're talking about post-death. You know, she died in Endgame. So it's like... Mm-hmm. Now we know her ending. You know what I'm saying? Like we know yeah. her, the end of her story. So yeah. I just feel, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I felt like they waited too long. And so just in, to, to dive into the trailer, nothing, I kind of like, that was my feeling before. And, and, and I guess we should say, we should tell the, um, the listeners how we're going to break these trailers down. So each one of these trailers that we're going to talk about today, Arthur and I are going to speak about them in these terms. 
Um, we're going to talk about what we um, what we wanted from the trailer. Then we're going to talk about what we thought of the trailer. And then we're going to talk about, you know, what we hope this trailer means or doesn't mean for the film itself once it comes out. So you, do you want to go first with Black Widow or you want me to go to first? No, you go ahead. You're on a... Okay. So with Black Widow, what I wanted from the trailer, I wanted it to kind of dispel that feeling that I had that they waited too long, that that Marvel waited too long to do this movie. Um, cause I just, I, you know, I feel everything I just said. And then plus also I feel kind of off about it being a prequel starting, mm-hmm. you know, phase four. That just sounds, that feels weird to me. Um, so that's what I wanted from the trailer. And also I wanted, you know, this was billed as, you know, this is going to be grittier. It's going to be more of like, you know, right. almost like Jason Bourne type, you know, espionage spy, you know, kind of yeah, basically that. Yeah. Kind of like what Captain, wise. what Captain America uh, Winter Soldier was, but mm-hmm. maybe even grittier, you know what I'm saying? Maybe even more espionage, more down to earth. Um, so that's what I wanted to see. Um, what I thought of the trailer, I, I was underwhelmed, bro. I was underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't nothing surprised me in this trailer. Nothing I saw was like, Ooh, I didn't see that coming. Nothing was, I watched the trailer once and didn't watch it again for like a few days. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Nothing made me want to go back and look at it again. Same. Um, right. I watched it a few times now, obviously, cause you know, in, in prep for the show. Um, but nothing, nothing like really grabbed me. And so I was, I was kind of underwhelmed. Um, and I'll get into the details after you go through your list, but what, what I hoped, you know, what I hope this trailer means or doesn't mean for the actual film when it comes out, I'm hoping that a lot of the, you know, negatives that I feel about this trailer are going to be washed away. Like, you know, every blue moon, a good movie gets a bad trailer. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't happen often, Mm -hmm. but every once in a while, a very good movie, you see a trailer and you like, that looks whack then by some circumstance, either because you feel compelled to go or somebody else that you, you know, wanted to go and you went with them or you mm-hmm. just catch it on TV one day, mm-hmm. um, you watch the movie and you're like, Oh shit, that was actually really good. That trailer didn't do it any justice. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hoping is that this movie is one of those films because I, you know, watching this trailer, it felt like if it felt to me like this is a movie that if it took place in phase one of the MCU back in 2008, 2009, yeah, I'd have been more into it. Like, Oh, you know, black widow, you know, I never thought I would see black widow and, you know, but after 10 years of MCU films, this just looked like, you know, a lot of, and this is something that, you know, hear a lot of anti comic book movie people say, Oh, they're all the like, you know, they're all the same. And generally that's untrue. But right with this film, it looked a lot like a lot of the other MCU films I've seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that, you know, um, that'll, you know, when I see the movie, that'll, that won't be the case. So you go ahead and go through your three, your, your, your list, and then we can dive yeah. into the details. Okay. So I don't, I mean, I'm still holding to that. This is, this is probably the better time to put out a, 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 a Black Widow film because, I don't feel that the movie-going audience would support two female superhero films at the, in the in the in the same kind of release cycle. Mm. Oh, you talking about if it came out with the same like in the same phase same year Captain that Marvel. Captain Marvel came out? Wow. Now, what's interesting is that that's actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, Marvel would have been doing it with the same studio, so there's that. Mm-hmm. 
But in 2020, we're going to get Black Widow and we're going to get Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see if that holds true. Um, what I wanted from the trailer most was I wanted the trailer to at least give me the indication of here's why Natasha's an Avenger. Like, here's why. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Here's, here's why, why Natasha's somebody with absolutely no uh, special abilities can stand next to Thor. Is basically Thank what you. Saying. Thank you. Right, and I'm going right. by the original right. Avengers sequence when they're all about to, you know, they're all back to back one another. Thor's jumping down with his hammer and lightning. <laughs> Hulk's about to smash something. Uh, Iron Man's ready with the, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then Natasha, she's just clocking she the Glock. Her Glock. Right. Right. It's like, <laughs> so we need, we need an explanation for but not only her, but how she and Hawkeye can you know yeah i need that too yeah yeah i need that too and um i don't i don't get that uh i think and this delves into what i thought of the trailer i agree with you i think that this was a very jason bourne-esque type trailer and if that defines the greediness of the film then fine but i think it further perpetuates your argument your long-standing argument about female characters in film need to act like men in mm-hmm. order to be taken seriously and viewed as strong. Mm-hmm. And I think Natasha has a different kind of skill set. I don't think presenting her as this, you know, super strong. And in fact, she, to be a trained fighter, that's, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many times, how many times does she fall out of an airplane? Like <laughs> everybody's falling with no parachute, no, no right. discernible she does, means she does of the superhero safely land landing. And that, that one shot she does. Yeah, and she's in the white suit. She's yeah, like in the, the snowsuit. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's like, if you don't have any special abilities, that would definitely shatter your kneecap when you land like that. It's from that. You're height. landing on, you're she, landing on, your, you're know, landing on your face is right. what's going to happen. <laughs> let's give the, let's, let's give the, the filmmakers the benefit of the doubt. I forgot the name, the, the director's name. Um, I think she's directed uh, uh, feature films before, but anyway, let's give her the benefit of the doubt and, and this, and the, the, the stunt people and say that hopefully they'll in the film that there's like a wire or something attached. like she jumps out of the plane with like you know something attached to her so it's not like her jumping from like cause yeah. they, yo they did that remember the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie um, from uh-huh. way back in the day 98, 99 whatever that was and they had my man jumping from like, like you know it's like they had him being Spider-Man and it's like he doesn't have abilities like that so it's a basic understanding of the character mm-hmm. to know okay that this this particular character can't do what Captain America can do. You know what I'm saying? Right. So which, how do we mitigate these effects to right. be consistent which, with what his abilities are? Side note, very completely off subject, but kind of tangentially related. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And mind me to bring this up when we talk about that show. I've, you know, he's the new Captain America, right? Falcon is. I mm-hmm. always wondered, how is he going to be a new Captain? He don't have no super soldier theorem serum. And maybe I don't read those those Captain America comics, so maybe they give him some. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I don't know how Sam, what's his face, is going to be Captain America when his his ability as Falcon is you know associated with his you know the wings and the whole suit that he wears. Right. So he takes that off and picks up a shield. You know, yeah, you got some fighting ability, but you you don't have the super serum. So I don't know how you are you know. But anyway, mm. going back to what we were saying, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that. They, there needs to be some realism and that, that does take you that shot where she jumps out of the plane to, she jumps out of two planes it looks like in, in the trailer um, so that's a little bit way beyond some Jason Bourne stuff that's that's some other stuff yeah um, I hope 
I hope the trailer means that the movie's going to be better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hoping that the trailer was constructed in a way to accentuate action. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's no secret that a lot of what draws audiences to these superhero films, you know, are in fact the action sequences. And because she doesn't have any superhero abilities, um, I think, and I'm hoping that the trailer over overemphasized her ruggedness. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm worried about David Harbor being in it, playing, <laughs> I believe, her father. I think that he is a bolted-on Chris Pratt slash Quill, Guardians of the Galaxy, common relief mm. type character That's that could too. present a problem if it doesn't go over well. Mm. You know, and I'm I'm speaking specifically of the family reunion sequences and and Harbor. You, you worry know, he steps. could hit the wrong note. Like he could, like he might be. Yeah, all, like, he's like in a different movie. Or you something. know what? You know what? There's a part in the trailer when he emerges in his what appears to be his old superhero suit. All right, Red Guardian. Yeah. 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 It, it reminded me of the um, the first Incredibles film. <laughs> <laughs> you saw Mr. Incredible put on his, and his, his gut was hanging out. Yeah. He put on his uniform, yeah. his gut was hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. He was like yeah. trying to stuff himself into this, into this old, old right. superhero, his old superhero suit in order to say he can relive the glory days. And this just mm-hmm. kind of felt, it just kind of felt like that. And I think it, it it cheapened it immediately cheapened my view of the film overall mm. now let me ask you though if it hits the right note you know what I'm saying if it's played as comedy and it works you know what I'm saying there's that chance because that's that's how they played it they were like oh you know because even uh, yeah. Rachel Wise's character says to him um, you know you've gotten you gotten fat you know so mm-hmm. if it plays as if it's meant as comic relief then it might work. Like I was cool with that, him at that the mean, table. That would be fine, but it does need to be a different type of film, a different tone, a different film tonally, which is right. what it, we're, it, we're it, both talking about. You know, right? It worked at the kitchen table. What it what threw me off was seeing him in a later scene fighting in that same suit. And I'm like, I'm like mm-hmm. you. It's like I'm like I'm not really taking him seriously right now because he looks ridiculous in that suit, and he's fighting. Yeah. It looks like he's fighting Taskmaster. Um, but let's you know let's let's take a deeper look at this. So for me, the actual fighting because early on in the trailer we see um, Natasha and her it looks like the her sister. Uh, it's sister. not I think it's her blood sister. It's just the sister that you know she was um, raised with um, in the in the program that trained them how to be assassins called the Red Room. So her and it's Florence. I forgot Florence's last name. Um, the kid the actor who plays that their sister. Um, she was in a. a a recent um, Lakari adaptation on BBC, um, the little drummer girl. So she's good. I, I liked her in that. She's 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 a really good actress, um, and she looks good on on in the clip mm-hmm. that we saw. So of them fighting, mm-hmm. and the fighting to me looks good because it looks like it's going to be a little bit more brutal than what we've seen mm-hmm. in you know in Black Widow in the Avengers or in some of the other stuff. To me, the best you know hand to hand. Um, uh, fighting fight scenes that we've seen so far in the MCU or in Winter Soldier. Um, the guy who I think the guy who directed the fight scenes in there is he was he the same? Was it? I think he may have been the same guy. Um, 
don't think he did, did Deadpool, but whoever directed the fight scenes in Winter Soldier, I don't think he didn't come back, I think, for Civil War. Mm-hmm. But those fight scenes specifically between Captain America and Bucky um, and the Winter Soldier were just, you know, phenomenal. It was just mm-hmm. like you felt if you went to see that in the theater, you felt those punches like you were getting hit in your head, you know, in your jaw when they were fighting. So it feels like this in the black widow is going to get to that and maybe even a little bit more brutal. You know, when she, when she gets flipped over in the kitchen, you see her leg go through that, that glass. glass And it was like, it it wasn't poetic or graceful or nothing. It just looked like it looked ugly. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was cool. Um, what I was, what I'm kind of was throwing me off though a little bit, Arthur, is that I feel that, you know, the talk about this being a more grounded, more espionage type, like, um, thriller, I wanted them to go all the way with that and not to have these fantastical elements. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I wanted it to be as different from the Avengers as possible. Mm -hmm. And in the trailer, what we see to your point when she's jumping out of the plane and specifically when she jumps down and she's in that white outfit, it looks so Avengery. It looks so, you know, um, Iron Man-y that it's like, ah, I didn't, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to see her more in, you know, in, in that Jason Bourne, particularly this, uh, the second Bourne movie. Um, not the, was it not the Bourne supremacy? Was was it the Bourne? Yeah, it's the Bourne supremacy. So the second Paul Greengrass, um, Jason Bourne movie, that was really, you know, the Mm -hmm. tones of that movie, you know, they were in the hand to hand fight scene, the hand to hand bathtub. Right. And I think they were in, uh, they were in Berlin most of the time in the, the fight in the apartment when, um, my man, he, he beat the crap out of dude with a magazine, rolled up magazine, you know, yeah, that type of grittiness and rawness is what I wanted to see in a black widow movie. And it feels like from the trailer, it just feels, it feels too, I hate to say this cause, um, the Marvel movies in my opinion have been, um, somewhat diverse, you know, you've gotten different tones and different feels from different movies, but this felt too MCU to me. It too, felt mm-hmm. too Marvel mm-hmm. to me. Um, yeah. It just needs to be her story. This needs to be right. her story and independent of, you know, cat Falcon, Tony, she's got to get down the way that she, her, the way she does per her nature, per the way mm-hmm. that she was trained. Mm-hmm. It should feel like a, it sh- to me, she's it got no help because like, she's it, got she, you know she's got no help. She doesn't have Thor coming down, right? She, to me, it felt soon. like this should have been more. And you know, we're we're just talking about the trailer, but it felt like it should have been more along the lines of a Cold War, you know, mm-hmm. thriller. You know, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and that takes that happens to take place in 2000, what 17 or 2016. Um, but to me, some of those scenes were just. Excuse me. They were too. They were too marvelly. Um, you know, they were, like I said, Red Guardian looked ridiculous to me. Um, especially if they're not going to be playing him for comedy later on. The scene where she jumped out. This, I think it was the first or maybe the second scene where she jumped out of the airplane and those guys were surrounding her. They look mm-hmm. like like almost like ninjas. I mean, first of all, you said the second scene where she's jumping out of the airplane. Yeah, that's the what I'm scene. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they look. It looked like that shot to me looked like something out of the G.I. Joe movie. I don't know if you ever saw like one of those G.I. Joe movies from a couple years ago. The Rock was in. I mean, it looked like one of those, you know, I saw one of them. But yeah, it, it just it just looked kind of silly to me. And that's not what I wanted from Black Widow. Black Widow, like like I mentioned, the um, the Chris Wade uh, minis, the comic book series from a couple years ago. The art, I forgot the name of the art. I think it was Samney was the artist. Um, 
just, you know, it was very raw, just very, mm-hmm. you know, it just felt like an espionage spy comic, you know, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of scaring me that we're not getting that, but let me ask you this. It has the rumor, this rumor slash confirmation. I'm not sure which I think is leaning more towards confirmation that Robert Downey Jr. is going to appear in this movie. Okay. So we know that this takes place post civil war, but before infinity war. So he's still alive. Right. Um, that's to me, that's going to be, you're going to get him or a hint of him in the next trailer, because that's, what's going to get people to go. That's definitely going to get people to go see this film. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are not, I'm going to be there regardless. Cause I, you know, I'm in, I, I like black widow. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want, I'm, I'm, I'm there day one, but people who aren't really thinking about this movie, I think once they see Tony Stark, you know, especially after seeing what happened in Endgame and, you know, oh, we missed Tony, blah, 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 far from home, you know, kind of did the whole they were lamenting him throughout far from home mm-hmm. to get a glimpse. I'm having a glimpse of Robert Downey Jr. in this role again. People are going to go, you know, flock to the theater to see that. Do you think, though, in the post credit scene of this film, Captain America from end of Endgame? when he gets in that time machine, remember he goes back and starts kissing the time thing and goes back and puts all the shit back that he, you know, took like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, well, that, that captain America, do you think we're going to get a post credits scene where he shows up and says something? Cause here's my, here, here's why I ask you before you answer. Here's why I ask you this Marvel, the MCU to this point has really never just done something just to do it. They've all, there's always some, underlying thread to this is how this connects to a larger story that we're telling. Now we know that they're ramping up to tell the next year story over the next 10 years um, involving, you know, the Eternals and probably the mutants and whatever, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a a Galactus or whoever is going to be, you know, the next big bad, Mm -hmm. but they, the MCU never does anything just to do it. There's always that little thread that leads into the bigger story. Mm -hmm. So it'd be hard for me to imagine that this prequel is going to come out and it's just going to be a prequel standalone A to B. And at the end of the movie, you know why, you know, Black Widow has blonde hair at the beginning of Infinity War. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to be that contained. I think there's going to be something in here that we're not going to expect or that's going to kind of throw the game off a little bit. Could could Cap have went back and found Natasha and warned her or told her to do something different so she wouldn't die? You know what I'm saying? It's like, does this may this lead to Black Widow actually coming back? you know, into the MCU Uh, or is there uh, some other, some other type of, so, you know, that wouldn't shock me if that happened, if Cap showed up in the post post credit sequence. Um, man, I guess that wouldn't shock me either. Um, you know, when you started, when you started saying all that, I first thought of the upcoming, uh, what if series. Mm, Right. And thought, okay, well maybe, Cap comes back, does something that is, um, that's a trigger for, you know, what if Natasha did X or like, what if she didn't go with Hawkeye mm-hmm. to, uh, <laughs> what if she let Hawkeye die? <laughs> 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 what, if like, what if Cap was like, uh, let, let, let Hawkeye, Hawkeye jump off. Yeah. Just go ahead and stay on that. <laughs> yeah hold back yeah. hold back <laughs> use the characters from the avengers even though that's done mm-hmm. to propel this next phase mm-hmm. that would be interesting 
Because it would be very easy for them to have filmed something, get Chris Evans in, you know, in Atlanta or wherever, you know, inside the studio that they're filming in, no exterior scenes, shoot something that nobody knows about. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He could have shot mm-hmm. it after. He he could actually have shot it when they were shooting Endgame. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. know how far ahead they work. So, yeah, it's it's going. I Like I said, I would be really shocked if this movie which is a prequel and which is the beginning of phase four. That's the emphasis is the beginning of phase four. doesn't provide a gateway in here that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't lead into some of the other films. That would, that would be surprising to me. Okay. So, we're going to come back to that in a few months. To see, yeah, see what absolutely. That leads to. Absolutely. And I, you know, I should say again, this, we're talking about the trailer. So my feeling overall, the trailers, I was underwhelmed, but I'm still looking forward to this movie, hoping that it's going to, you know, be better than this trailer. And I, and also, yo, know, on, uh, YouTube, the trailer right now, the official trailer, not counting all the unofficial um, views mm-hmm. of the trailer, but the official trailer has 35 million views. That's good. Yeah, that's that's at this point, I'll tell you how many Wonder Woman has in a minute, but that's more than Wonder Woman. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, moving along. Indicative of the strength of Marvel. Yeah, over of, yeah, DC. MCU over DC, DCEU right now. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, so, so moving along. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman 84. Wonder Woman 84. Looks like Ragnarok. Do you remember what you were doing in 84? I do. You were just born in 84, right? <laughs> so some say. <laughs> <laughs> you look, brother, you look like you were born in 84. How about that? You look appreciate like that. you were born in 84. I appreciate that. Can I just say that of the four trailers that we're going to discuss, this is the one where I would likely stay home were it not that we do a podcast called Madden <laughs> no were it not is 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 your is your daughter my goddaughter is she into Wonder Woman did she see the first mm-hmm. one she's not no. into it at all okay all right, she so. saw the first one but she no I mean she's not into it she's not into it okay so yeah yeah you can say that you can say it. it's all right you can say it. did you did you enjoy the first Wonder Woman I did okay I did, and I wasn't surprised that I enjoyed it. In other words, I mean, I, I, when Wonder Woman showed up in Batman vs. Superman, I was like, oh. Oh, okay. she was the best part. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was, oh, great. She was like, she was she like was watching Attack of the Clones and Yoda Force Pulls the lights. <laughs> right. Got my money's worth. There's the right. payoff. Finally, finally. <laughs> End of the movie. Here's something I can be excited about, right? Yoda versus Dooku, right? So yeah, when when she showed up and that music kicked in, yeah, it was like, oh god, thank god, something is happening, something interesting is happening. Um, right. So, all right, go through your go through your list. How did you feel about the this trailer? Well, I mean, I was, you know, what did you want from it? Number one, what did you want from this trailer? I didn't, you know, this was. You may not like this answer. It's kind of a cop out, but I didn't necessarily want anything from this trailer. Mm. Um, I mean, I knew that there was going to be a Wonder Woman sequel. But because of the success of the film, mm-hmm. but there was no cliffhanger in in Wonder Woman mm-hmm. that that made it that necessitated a sequel in that way, mm-hmm. you know. And the, and the film did well. It did. I think it made eight hundred, almost nine hundred mil um, worldwide, globally. So it did yeah. well. The, the 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 hard part for the movie, and I'll just say this, unless you get back to your list, but the hard part, the the kind of the the rock and the between the rock and the hard place that they were put between or put in was because of the failure of the other movies around it. You know, the failure, mm-hmm. the quote unquote mm-hmm. failure of Batman V Superman of justice league, you know? So yeah. it was like wonder woman was out there by herself as a success. 
until Aquaman came along. And I would argue even even though Aquaman made more money, I would still argue that Wonder Woman was the had the greater impact. You know, yeah, I think I think Wonder Woman was a better film. Yeah, Um, I I like Chris Pine, but he's not a comic relief for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't find him I don't find him funny in that way. Mm -hmm. I don't care that he's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I don't know why he's back mm-hmm. and with him being back the kind of you know the few things about it being sort of like shocking like oh this trash can that's not art it's just trash can okay great let's go ahead and move along and him sort of like being disoriented by I guess being resurrected you know 40 years in the future mm-hmm. is not that's not sort of that's not funny to me mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is it him that got resurrected you know is he resurrected is that you know some sort of clone, you know, who, how did he, but that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, that's to me, it's gotta be, yeah, it's gotta be a, a really satisfactory explanation. Cause he got blown up in a plane, man. You know, Thank it's like, you. it wasn't, it wasn't like he got shot. You know yeah, what I'm It he was got, pretty final. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. so I don't know. I don't yet know what's really going on in this film. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the villain is. I'm not, I'm not well-versed in, in, in wonder woman lore, um, to know what's up. You know, I, when I was younger, I regularly watched the TV show, but that was a period piece. Mm-hmm. The way those the, the way those storylines were being told. Um, yeah, so okay, know. so what do you number number three? And what do you hope that this trailer means or doesn't mean for the film? I think I know your your answer is probably obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I hope I hope the film isn't a. Um, you know, a 140 minute version of this trailer. Do you hope, are you, are you scared that it's going to be lean too much into that stranger things, eighties nostalgia type, you know, I think so. I think so. And I think that's indicative by it, by it giving you the year in the title. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. So let me say this originally, you know, this movie was supposed to come out in December. It's supposed to come out. What's today is the, the, as we record, this is the, 15th originally this movie was supposed to come out in four days december 19th um and then i think i don't know if you know disney put their schedule up and it's like now nah, we're dropping star wars so it's like yeah. dc was like warner brothers like fuck that we're going to next summer so it got pushed back to summer of 2020 they're saying this movie is going to be like a standalone in the sense that the indiana jones all three indiana jones movies are standalones or the you know the OG James Bond movies were standalones uh, mm-hmm. uh, pre Daniel Craig era, so they're saying it's like standalone adventure in that, and I think you know they're saying that obviously so they don't have to answer all those. Well, how does this connect to that Justice League stuff, or right. how does it going to connect to Matt Reeves's upcoming Batman movie? You know now that uh, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck is not Batman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how does it connect to Aquaman, so on and so forth, and the just you know the just announced Flash movie? So that's how they're saying. Now, I, I kind of dig that. I kind of like that vibe. If like if that's what they're going for, if they can make that work, then I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, I'm cool with that too. But you brought back Chris Pine. You that's back that, Chris there's Pine, your there's right. your problem. You have to explain that. Yeah, they have to explain that, and I think they must really really like him in that role because they didn't have to bring him back you know i like chris pond i, I you know I, I love him as a yeah. uh, captain uh captain uh kirk you know i, I think him, right right the right, chemistry right between him and um spock and everybody on that that new crew i think works very well so i like chris pond 
but I don't know why was, you know, why did we need him in this movie? Why did you have to bring him back? So yeah, and maybe the decision to bring him back, you know, probably preceded all this other stuff where like, oh, now that these other movies um, are whack, we got to kind of have this be a standalone. So I'm sure that that decision to bring him back probably preceded this. And they filmed this movie. God, they must've filmed this in probably early to mid 2018. Um, So it's been a while. Um, so, okay. So what did I, what did I want from this trailer? I'm kind of in the same vein as you, man. I'm not, I like the first wonder woman, especially some of the, um, the scenes on the battlefield. Um, and some of the Themyscira scenes, I, I, I really like those, but it's not like I was sitting around saying, I can't wait for the next wonder woman movie to come out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, um, so what I wanted from this movie or from this trailer was to kind of get me reinvested to like, okay, you dug the you dug the first one, you're not really checking for another one, but yeah. you know, after that's watching a good this word, trailer reinvestment. Yeah. Right. After this trailer, you're gonna be ready to go to the theater. So that's what I wanted. Um what I saw was or you know, I kinda fall into the same vein as you I'm really kinda concerned that this is gonna be lean too heavily on the eighties shit, you know, the eighties nostalgia. And I think I think from a couple shots I saw it's gonna be um, maybe not the ultimate bad guys, but some of the quote unquote bad guys are going to be uh, uh, Soviets, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in the 80s, we were all told, you know, those right. are the ultimate bad people, you know, communists. East Germans and Soviets. Yep. So it looks like I don't know if this is going to be Wonder Woman versus the USSR, but it kind of looks like it's leaning towards that. Um, the way it's shot, you know, um, the cinematography looks different to me than the first Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman felt a little bit more. Looked like a raw. war movie is what it looked yeah, like. It looked yeah, it looked like a war movie. And I mean, obviously yeah. it took place, much of it took place on a battle scene that makes, on battlefields so that makes sense. But even the scenes that didn't, you know, and it was a different time period also, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, um, uh, World War One. So, I, I don't know if they switched to a new cinematographer for this film or that person just completely flipped things to, you know, bring this a different palette in from 84. But it definitely there's a definite shift um, from the first movie to this one. I question whether, you know, the action scenes in this, you know, post Matrix, post Zack Snyder world. I wonder if these action scenes are going to work because the scene where she like ejects the shell out of out of homeboy's gun and then she swipes it away with her bracelet. And then there's a couple other scenes, you know, quick shots of her doing like slow-mo type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, man, I don't know. For me, <clears throat> excuse me, I am so sick of seeing like those types of stuff. I even got tired of it in some of the Thor Ragnarok stuff where they did some slow-mo type things. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. like done with like seeing, you know, Matrix style, slow-mo, you know, type of action scenes. It's like, I feel like we need to move away from that. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering how well that's going to play you know, in this movie, um, if that's going to be a, a trope that they return to, um, again and again, um, like you, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, why did Steve Trevor come back and are you going to actually make that, you know, plausible? Yeah. Um, the Themyscira scenes look dope. The, the scenes that take place on her home Island, uh-huh. or, you know, that looked dope. You know, the, I don't, there's a scene like of a little girl running. I don't know if that was, Wonder Woman, if that was Diana or if that's just, you know, some little girl back in the mascara right now, but she was running. There's a whole bunch of um, Amazonian Amazonians running. And then there was uh they were in that arena. There was a scene of like this big arena and they were running across, like balancing themselves on these yeah. tall, um, tall planks or whatever. It looked that looked cool. Like I was like, oh, that's that visually that was very appealing. And that looked like, OK, that part of the movie, maybe you really maybe the best part. I don't know. 
the part with her swinging, this is the part where I was like, I almost laughed at this. It looked cool, but I, mm-hmm. I kind of laughed a little bit. Mm-hmm. She has, there's a lot of scenes in the trailer with her and her, the lasso, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Lasso, which, yep. which to me is like a tool or a device that if used properly, and I think they did it right in, um, in Batman v Superman and in the first Wonder Woman movie, that's a dope, it can look on screen, it can look really cool. Mm-hmm. But if used improperly, it can start to look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there's that scene where she's literally swinging from lightning bolts, you know, throwing the lasso around a lightning bolt, swinging, yeah. hitting another. That, it, that didn't make sense. <laughs> so I'm watching that and I was like, visually, it looked, it looked really cool, but it was like, what the fuck? It was like, she. In this, you know, in, in this iteration of Wonder Woman, she can't fly. Sometimes in the on the cartoon and the comic book, she can fly, but evidently in this iteration of Wonder Woman, she can't fly. So she needs a swing. Well, she has the plane. daughter. She she has an invisible plane, which we see. We see that in the trailer too. I think Steve is flying it. Um, so she lets do fly her plane. Uh, I don't know if that's a euphemism. You take it for what you want. Um, but <laughs> but mm-hmm. she she is the daughter of Zeus. Mm-hmm. So, or he made her, you know, her mother formed her out of clay and Zeus brought her to life, as she says in the first movie. So Zeus being, you know, his association with lightning and thunder, maybe she, that gives her the ability to know when the lightning bolt is about to strike. So she can just, or she can summon it and just swing from, I don't know. I hope they explain it. I hope they just don't show her swinging that from lightning bolts in the movie. Cause if they yeah. explain it and it's like a, a, an ability of hers, that would be dope, you know, but you got to explain that part. Cause it was kind of, it was kind of comical in the, uh, in the trailer. Um, I am curious about Kristen Wiig is, is playing the, the, uh, the villain, um, Cheetah in the movie mm-hmm. and they don't show her as Cheetah in this trailer. They just show her in her, you know, her civilian or pre Cheetah, you know, kind of like, um, Michelle Pfeiffer in uh Batman was that Batman Returns? Batman Returns is Catwoman. Right, it's Catwoman. So you saw her as, you know, Selena Kyle or whatever, and she looked really mousy and kinda, you know, unkept, and then all of a sudden she becomes Catwoman and you see her at a party and she's looking, you know, like Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. So I think that may be what they do with Kristen Wiig, because they do show a shot of her all dressed up a little later, but they don't show her as Cheetah. But I am kind of um intrigued by her character and what what that's gonna be and how that's gonna play off of Diana. Um so far, this movie only has 21 million views on the official trailer has 21 mm-hmm. million views. Like I said, compared to black widows, 35 mil, um, 21 mil is still respectable. It's more than bond. We'll get to bond sure. in a minute, but it's more than bond. Um, so I think that what I want, you know, what I, what I want or what I hope this trailer means, um, for this, for the eventual movie is that, you know, Patty Jenkins is back. Patty Jenkins yeah. directed the first one. So I'm hoping that the good parts of this trailer that I, that I thought were good, I'm hoping those are going to be expounded upon in this film. Um, I'm hoping that some of the the things that in the first movie, like the last act of the first movie, where you know it was her versus homeboy, I forgot his name, um, uh, Ares. I don't know who she fought in. It was just it was just about the CGI explosions and you know fire, and I didn't know what was going on, and it was like typical ending to a you know 100 million dollar you know superhero 150 million dollar superhero film so i hope that they avoid that this time and there's more nuance in this and i think patty jenkins feels like the type of director who may you know look at that first movie and say okay we can do we can do more than that do better than that with our with our villain um so i'm hoping that you know Kristen wig like i said the little glimpses that we got her in this trailer were kind of interesting to me so i'm hoping that we get a better a better villain exposition in this movie than we did in the first. 
Um, and what I hope this trailer doesn't mean for this movie is that, again, like you said, I don't want it to be, you know, Stranger Things meets Wonder Woman. Um, I don't want it to be a um, a letdown from the first film and kind of like not interesting to anybody unless you're just really, really into Wonder Woman. I'm hoping that this movie, again, just, you know, makes me invested in this character and kind of makes up for all the, uh, you know, not that it's Wonder Woman's fault, but all the Justice League, you know, Batman v Superman um, crap that we're still trying to wash out of wash the taste out of our mouths, um, get that taste out of our mouth. So, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence. Uh, to be honest with you, man, I thought, do you, do you think this was a better trailer than Black Widow? I think it was a better trailer than Black Widow to me. Um, I think they're about even because the mall stuff kind of brought it down for me. You just don't it like did. malls. It did. You got well, issues with just, malls. <laughs> well, I mean, Stranger Things. You live in Arizona the now. Of you Stranger spend time in malls are and you on are upset about it. <laughs> well, but I mean, look, man. It's so they've been promoting this movie for quite a while. Right. I mean, the the initial movie poster for this with with, with Gal Gadot as one as, as Diana Prince was looked great. She was in that gold suit, you know, and it had that real Technicolor. I mean, it did have it did have some Ragnarok vibes, mm-hmm. um, but I was fine with it because it did what it needed to do. It got eyes on it, got my eyes on it, and and generated some real interest. You know, um, the saving grace for me is that. Uh, the film is still in the, the directorial hands of Patty Jenkins, um, so I'm hoping that her her vision and influence um, uh, is present that 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 she could carry over from the from the original work. Um, we don't know anything yet about Maxwell Lord, who's paid, played by uh, Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the comic books, um, Maxwell Lord was was influential in the formation of uh, Justice of Justice League. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's still some room. What we need, what I need, is a is a second trailer. Mm. I need I need I need a I need a second trailer to contextualize some of what we've seen in the first trailer. Um, it wasn't clear to me that even though I knew that um, um, Cheetah was in this film, that Kristen Wiig was Cheetah, and I saw the transformation of the mousy girl to the elegant dress when she walks in toward the end of the trailer in that white gown, you know, mm. that that you know something's up she's not who she seems to be but seeing her Kristen Kristen Wiig as Cheetah and also seeing uh, Pedro Pascal as Max Lord mm-hmm. I I did not walk away from this trailer clearly knowing who the um, antagonist was who in the, this yeah film. right who the lead antagonist is exactly yeah so a second trailer would would really would really help me but i also think that would help this uh help this franchise out mm-hmm. i mean I, I i i question whether or not this because like i said this was supposed to drop this movie is supposed to drop this month it's delayed until next summer so the impetus for them you know like we said at the beginning of the segment getting this trailer out now was to preempt you know the star wars noise um white noise is going to drown out everything starting mm-hmm. in a, a week but I wonder, did this trailer generate the proper buzz, you know, the necessary amount of buzz? Um, because one thing is that, like I said, I kind of alluded to earlier when the Black Widow trailer dropped, it dropped on a Monday, I think last week, Monday of last week. And mm-hmm. then No Time to Drop, No Time to Die dropped. That trailer dropped on that Wednesday. And it just kind of like overshadowed, even though Black Widow had far more views. 
the new cycle became consumed with the No Time to Die trailer. Right. So the new cycle, as of yet, to me, when you're looking at what's going on with Wonder Woman, I feel like this film, because of the importance of the first one, in the sense that it was the first female-led DC movie, Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of the iconic, you know, three um, DC characters, and it's the first time she got her first, her own feature film, it felt that the sequel to that should have been bigger news than it is it has been over the last couple of weeks you know what i'm saying okay. I, go ahead but i just said that i mean when we were talking about black widow mm-hmm. our audience is going to support two female-led superhero films it would be it would be very it would be sad as hell if they weren't i but agree I see, I see your point i think that for male audience for male viewers especially males who aren't in this un, into this unreal shit who aren't comic book heads who aren't comic book movie heads they may be they may be more apt to go see, you know, Black Widow because again, the MCU connection. The Marvel tie in, yeah, sure. The MCU tie in. And especially like I said, if if Robert Downey Jr. shows up in a trailer. Mm-hmm. Um and then will they three months later go see Wonder Woman? To me that's gonna depend upon the strength of the marketing. You know, yeah, and to, I mean Wonder Woman really is a hard. big film. There this is this is Memorial Day. Yeah. When this thing yeah. is coming out. This is their tent pole for the summer. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. All right, um, moving along to another 80s film. Ghostbusters. They're back. Did you go see, speaking of female films, did you go see Ghostbusters, whatever that that came out? Okay. I did not. I saw it twice. What did you you think about it? You saw it twice. I did see it twice. I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. Now, in Um, that film. I liked it better than Ghostbusters 2. Now, oh, damn. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. For real. I did. Wow. You're one of the few people I've heard say that. You like that film better than you like Ghostbusters 2. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm going to have to see this. We'll have, you know, we'll follow since Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out. I think, what, is it next summer or is it next spring? Um, I gotta we'll have to, to follow. We will have to follow up with the Ghostbusters segment wherein I will make sure I have watched the Ghostbusters from, I think that was, was it 2018 or I think it was 2018. Um, 2016. Oh, it wasn't that long ago. Was it? Yeah. No. Okay. So yeah, I, I'll make sure I've watched that, that film and which was Kristen Wiig was in that too, right? Yeah. Kristen Wiig was in that. Um, Kathy, uh, I mean, uh, it was heavily influenced by, uh, Lauren Michaels, Saturday Night Live cast members mm-hmm. um, getting the cast list wow you're right that was 2016 that's crazy it doesn't seem like it was that long ago um, so I will make sure yeah it was it was Kate McKinnon Kristen Wiig Melissa McCarthy yeah and Leslie, and Leslie Jones, Jones. Yeah. yeah so I will make sure that um, I've seen that film and then we will have to come back and talk about that and the first two Ghostbusters movies before Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out um, but in that film, in the Kristen Wiig um, Ghostbusters, Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson, and I think does Bill Murray show up too? But he they does. don't. Yeah, they Bill don't Murray show up, up as their characters. They're not. They're, it takes place in a different universe than the first. That's season. right. Okay, that's right. So, do you feel that very quickly before we dive into this trailer? Do you think that that was a good thing or a bad thing for that movie? Do you think that they should have kept it in the same universe as the first two films, or no? No, no, no. I think I think it was I think it was smart to retell the story. Okay. With right. with, with four women as the Ghostbusters. So in, in this same, you know, I, I, I do because um it 
you you know, for one thing, if you're going to do a Ghostbusters film, you you can't escape Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, or Ernie Heston, right? Spangler. Um, you, yeah, you're just not you're not gonna you're not gonna escape that. Mm-hmm. And I think that it would be it would have been a detriment to tie a female driven a female cast of Ghostbusters directly to that storyline mm-hmm. because there's no way they would have lived up to those original characters in that way. But if you retell it, mm-hmm. it at least gives you enough room. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, so this new Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife, actually does take place um, in the same universe as the original two films. And not right. only that, there is a female lead here because we have... Uh, what's the little girl's name? Um, McKenna Grace, I think is her name. So her and the little, speaking of uh, Stranger Things, um, the young kid from Stranger Things, Finn Wolfhard, those two mm-hmm. are the leads. So yeah. in a way, you know, there is a female lead here, but she happens to be the granddaughter of the, of the Harold Ramis character of Spain. And I love that. Yeah. Right. So this, a little, little Egon. Yeah, I love it. Little Egon. This movie is written and directed by Jason Reitman, um, mm-hmm. son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first the first uh, two films. Um, and the story is, is saying the story is by uh, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, Ivan Reitman. So I think that they're just saying that this is derived from those original stories. Harold Ramis passed away. I forgot how many. Not that long ago. A couple years no, ago, I think. So, okay, so let me, I think you started the last one, so I'll start this one. Um, what I wanted from this trailer, what I wanted from Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer, um, this is one I'm kind of like you with Wonder Woman on because I love, mm. you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the first of the first Ghostbusters, obviously, which I saw when I was, I was probably too young to actually watch something like that, but I watched it and I, you know, I love that movie just like everybody else. And um, I actually dug the second one, not as much as the first one, but I really liked the second one as well. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I've never been on the, on the, the, the team was like, we need to bring back the Ghostbusters. Right. Um, especially now since the, since, you know, Ramus is gone and Aykroyd and Murray and even, um, um, uh, Ernie or Ernie Hudson are so far past their prime that I was like, ah, just leave it alone. Um, so I wasn't, I didn't have any real expectations for this trailer, but then when I heard about, you know, that Jason Reitman is writing it, that, um, he's, you know, coming up with a brand new take and it's going to be very different than the, you know, than what we saw, um, or than anything we can anticipate. It got me kind of interested. So I guess what I wanted from this trailer was to really surpass my expectations or to surprise me. And moving on to number two, you know, what uh, what did I think of the actual trailer once I saw it? It did do that. It, it definitely surprised me. Um, I was not expecting this take at all. So you got the grandkids of Spangler, um, you know, moving to this evidently the last thing that they their family owns, which is the old farm property that mm-hmm. Egon evidently had and left to them um, moving on to this farm property and then basically like uncovering or discovering um, some of his old shit, you know what I'm saying? His old, yeah. the spores yeah. and the moles that he collected and yeah. the, um, you know, the photon pack and the ghost trap and coming to find out that this town that they live in is, you know, somehow associated with the first Ghostbusters, like the people behind um, the first Ghostbusters, like the, the cult or whatever, there's some, some type of association there. Zool. Zool, <laughs> right. So all this, all this stuff is connected and the lore, you know, you really see 
Reitman is basically tapping into the lore of this first movie mm-hmm. and building on it, which is like, mm-hmm. yo, there's, that's something I really didn't expect him to do. I, you know, the whole connection between the little girl and the little boy and their grandfather Spangler, that's something I kind of expected. You know, being one of the main characters being related to the originals, that's kind of expected. But then this whole thing about the, uh, the Zool and, you know, you see, I think we caught a, a quick glimpse of, uh, of um was the first ghost in Ghostbusters um uh, slime slimer slimer yeah i think we got mm-hmm. a quick glimpse of slimer um i believe it's confirmed that um uh Ac- i mean I Ac- yeah Ackroyd um Murray Hudson and even Annie Potts are going to show up in this movie um so yeah i was i was pleasantly surprised by this man and it felt it feels very eerie it feels almost like a horror movie which you know i'm not down for but it felt like lost boys type horror, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. lost boys type scary, um, lost boys meets that meets ghostbusters, which I'm, I'm cool with, you know, um, that's, that's intriguing to me. So yeah, that's, I was, I was happily surprised. And what I, you know, number three, what I hope this trailer means for the film is that they're going to pay off on all this promise that was put in this trailer. I think this is a very good trailer. Um, it got me intrigued. So I'm hoping that the film is going to, is going to pay off on all this and that we're going to end up back in New York. You know, I don't want the whole thing to take place in this little town out in the middle of nowhere. I want mm-hmm. them to end up having to go back to New York and, you know, um, and, and, and bringing it full circle. So yeah. what did you think? What were your thoughts? What do you run down your list? Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, this is the, this, I mean, with the exception of, you know, something like no time to die, but I mean, this is one movie that I'm actually looking forward to. Mm-hmm. The story of Ghostbusters, how it all happened, just side note, you know, I've seen, I read some articles and seen different, you know, behind the scenes things. Like if you ever get a chance to really find out how that first movie came together, like a lot of those 80s movies, it's really interesting to see just how close it came to not happening mm-hmm. and then kind of how piecemeal, how they kind of like tape different things together and just like by the, you know, um, by the skin of their teeth got that movie done. So, to, yeah. To keep it in the context of the family of the original characters in this way. Mm-hmm. separate from how I was saying the 2016 remake of Ghostbusters was, I think was very smart because you're able to follow the breadcrumbs of the original characters and especially to make Egon, the family lineage, as anal and precise <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? Right. And just out there as 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 he was, I think it gives you a lot of room to work out in. Mm-hmm. And... um um you know, Paul Rudd uh, as the lead. And I don't know if he's their teacher or school teacher or, you know, yeah, however. Yeah, that was kind of unclear. I think he's, Him yeah, kind he's... of having to be this link to be actually be able to tell them some story about about their grandfather that apparently they did not, they didn't know about. Right. Or at least they weren't told about, I think was, you know, smart too. You know, it really gave me, um, it didn't give me Stranger Things vibes. It gave me Goonies vibes, mm. which I liked. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a difference between doing a movie that is nostalgic or a television show that's nostalgic about the eighties. And mm-hmm. then there's, then there's, there's a difference between that and then actually putting a movie in the eighties that doesn't feel like it's so self-conscious or self-aware of itself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In the sense that it's like, Oh, we, you know, remember this from the eighties here it is, you know, it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't have that vibe. It's just like, yeah, it's the eighties or excuse me. It's a, it's a flashback to the eighties or a nod to the eighties in the sense that we're talking about the eighties, what happened in the eighties, you know, he shows on the footage of the ghostbusters in the eighties. He's talking about the eighties. The little kid is down in the basement, finds all the stuff from his, you know, his, uh, his grandfather's that, you know, that comes from the eighties, but it's not a, 
you know, ooh, look at this cool thing, this relic from the 80s, and, you know, this should give you these type of vibes. It, it didn't feel like that at all. It was very yeah. subtle in the, the kind of, and very natural in the way that and it in, felt. Yeah, and, and, and in contrast, the Wonder Woman 1984 felt very heavy-handed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so much so that what in, within the first 10 seconds, because the music bed is like a replaying of uh, New Order's Blue Monday, mm-hmm. which is like just a classic 80s song right where I was like I literally went and looked to see when Blue Monday was recorded and released Mm -hmm. to because I didn't believe initially that it was commensurate to that time Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was it was now they got it right Blue Monday was originally uh, cut and released in 1983 um, had a wider release in 1984 okay so music wise they stay consistent with it you know Mm -hmm. but I I don't suspect Ghostbusters Afterlife in that same way. Right, right. It's not it's not hitting you over the head with it. By the way, we just had a little TMS uh, music snobs moment. Go check out the music snobs um, <laughs> available <laughs> on Spotify, Apple, you know, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you check out the music snobs. Um, but yeah, that 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 there was that difference. Cause yeah, in the Wonder Woman, they even did the the uh, the typeface change. That font changed into like an eighties font, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So and yeah, in, in Ghostbusters, you felt like that little girl who was kind of discovering these eighties relics. You felt like her. So it was like yeah. natural kind of a, a natural feel to it. Even when they showed the footage of them walking through man, you know, the original Ghostbusters in Manhattan, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. directly taken from the first film you felt like it wasn't like a heavy handed, like, Ooh, eighties nostalgia. It was just like, you know, look at this thing. And, and then when they revealed Ecto one, you know, yeah. when the, the elevator, the the garage door goes up and the, it rolls out and it's all, you know, dusty and messed up. It felt like that's what a car would look like if it's been in a garage, you know, for 30 years or whatever. Right. Um, right. So yeah, right. there's just that. It gave me the I same like kind of vibe there. in force awakens when they discovered the millennium Falcon. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's the same right. thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so, what I can't. Did you answer your, the number three already? What you hope this means for the movie? Um, um, well, what what I hope this means or doesn't mean for the movie? Um, what I hope it means for the movie is uh, well, two things. One, I hope we don't get a sequel of this. Um, I wouldn't be upset if this closes the Ghostbusters, you know, chapter. Oh, so you want this to be the last? Um, you want this to be like Ghostbusters three? Like this is it? Yeah, I, I, I think I think after this, um I think this was the this was a great creative retelling. Mm-hmm. Um but it doesn't at least from the trailer, you know, it it doesn't give off um reboot franchise vibes to me. Mm-hmm. You know. Like he clearly the twenty sixteen Ghostbusters remake was supposed to be a jump off for a franchise. Right. Right. Well, you know, um, this movie, if Afterlife makes a lot of money, is definitely going to be a franchise, especially considering I mean, yeah, the probably, age, but you know, it's like what, what, what we want or what we don't want, right? <laughs> right. right, <laughs> right. Um, I'm looking forward to see this film. It, I'm I'm literally surprised about how good this trailer was because mm-hmm. you, you were literally like, "Hey, you know what? Let's talk about this trailer." Oh, have you watched it yet? No, I haven't watched it because I thought it was. Uh, I mean, you know, Goofy is a little. Mm-hmm. A little much to, mm-hmm. but but you know I, I didn't have any immediate interest in it. Mm-hmm. Do you do you need this to be? Because right, like I said, the trailer right now, the first this first teaser trailer, the movie feels eerie. 
and it feels much it has a it has a stronger horror element than the first one or I the think original it needs to. films. Yeah. Do you need it? Do you need it to be a comedy though? Do you need some com- some some serious comedy in here like the first two films? I think you need the comic relief because it is Ghostbusters. Not just like, relief, and, not just relief because the first two movies mm-hmm. weren't relief. You know what I'm saying? It was like comedy was like a constant element of those right. first two films. So right. do you need do you need like not just comedy injected into your horror movie? Do you need comedy almost to be the lead and then there's horror elements within there? Um I do to make it feel ghostbustery. Yeah. And yeah. I think I think the remake in 2016 um that was a disadvantage. I mean, it was a disservice to play the movies out to be funny if that makes sense. Mm. It's like I mean the 2016 film in parts felt like skits. Mm-hmm. The original 84 Ghostbusters didn't feel like skits. It just felt like these were these guys and they had these quirks and those quirks were inherently funny. Right. Right. You know, um, Harold Ramis didn't necessarily tell a joke. Right. To the, yeah. He was just funny. He was yeah. just funny. You know, and I think that Paul Rudd can deliver in that same kind of way. Mm-hmm. I am I am hanging my hat on him, mm-hmm. you know, for 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 that. But knowing that there that there could be at least cameos by Aykroyd and Murray, right? Which um, suggests, I believe Sigourney Re- Re- uh, Sigourney Weaver, yeah, she's, too, yeah, Dana she's, she's confirmed as well. Which suggests that they will end up going back to New York unless all these people are coming to this small town. Yeah, suggests that they are going to go back to New York. I'm, you know, I'm with you though. I need. I need it to be a comedy with horror elements, not just because I don't f with horror movies, but because that's the that's the Ghostbusters heritage. Yeah, it would make it. I mean, even the title Ghostbusters, that's a mm-hmm. com- comedic title. It would be very odd to me if this movie is just straight horror, you know, with a couple of funny moments here and there. Um, I, I would need. I would definitely need this to follow more in the line of, you know, the first two films to keep that heritage. But overall, like you, I was, I was pleasantly surprised and I'm like, I was kind of into it, but now after mm-hmm. this trail, I'm like, yeah, I want to see this film. And I'm glad right. that I'm glad that this is happening. Right. Um, so, all right. And it has, you know, the only, the only, I don't think it's gonna be called a negative cause there's a lot of people, but it, the official version of this trail has 12 million views. Um, in comparison to, you know, Wonder Woman's 21 and Black Widow's 35. So just, you know, there's there's some interest. Um, this is a teaser trailer as well. This isn't, a you know, the official full-length trailer. I don't know what the hell constitutes full-length versus... <laughs> it was pretty long. Yeah, as, as we're about <laughs> to get into it, No Time to Die, I'm not sure what constitutes full-length versus teaser. But um, as they ramp up towards this, you know, the summer release, if these next couple trailers look as good as this one, I think you're going to get a lot more people interested in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so next, um, what's the the, the the final trailer we want to get into the the uh, the headliner? In my opinion, no time to die. No time to die. So last, listen, last episode we talked about what we expected of this trailer, and then like three days later, or the day of, of the, when we dropped the trailer dropped. Um, so you go first. You tell me what did you what did you expect? What did you get? What do you want? Okay. Um... Now you you may find this interesting. I hope so. I I got what I wanted. Okay. I got more than I expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I guess we can skip what we expected because we talked about that last show. But go yeah. ahead, I'm sorry. And um, I'm feeling I'm feeling very good about this film. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm feeling very good about this film. I wanted to see. I wanted to see the villain. 
Mm. And I even and I, think then we then I say I said last show I said we're not going to get the villain in the yeah. teaser trailer. I was wrong. Yeah, you yeah, were right. Yeah. And yeah. you made a case for that. That made sense. That made good sense. You know, mm-hmm. because I felt we both felt that they had to do a lot of things with this trailer in order to build momentum quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that I think that um, this would be. Let me let me uh, I'll edit, let me just sort of rephrase. What I did what I didn't expect, even though I knew it, but what I didn't expect was f- lighter bringing Bond out of retirement, mm-hmm. you know, to handle something because even though there was a double O seven you know replacement, uh, Lashana Lynch's character taking on that mantle, right? You know, Felix was kind of like, so here's the thing. I get she exists, mm-hmm. but I know you. you. Right. <laughs> I need I need to actually get done. <laughs> right. right. So you you got to handle this for me. Not only yeah, you know, not only know me. Evidently, Anna Anna D. Armas's character, um, Paloma, I think is the name of her character. I believe she's a CIA agent. So I don't know if she works for Felix. She works mm-hmm. with Felix. I don't know, mm-hmm. but evidently he don't trust her either. So Bond is his his guy. Like that's yeah. my that's my man. That's who I trust. That's who I've been a I've been a battle with. So you know, I need and you. To, al- I need you it, in the game. It also um, makes me hope that that Jeffrey Wright is going to play a larger. He'll get more screen time, mm-hmm. more than Casino Royale. Even I'm, that's my hope. Right. Right. So, all right. So, I mean, we talked about, I already talked about what I expected um, last episode, so I won't get into all that. Um, what well, I got, I say, go ahead. Can I say one thing, though? Um, Madeline, when Bond sees Madeline in the, in the long corridor, mm-hmm. and he gets, and you see that look on his face. Mm-hmm. He shook. He shook. I didn't like that. <laughs> you don't like seeing Bond shook. <laughs> I don't like seeing John Bond shook, even if he is shook, because because the whole thing about 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 Bond is mm-hmm. that nothing is supposed to shock him. He's supposed to immediately process this, mm-hmm. play his role. You know, for for because what what happened was is that he basically revealed to Madeline that he was shook, <laughs> so he has an immediately chink in the armor, and, and here's Bond, exactly Bond where can't it do is. That. <laughs> I, I, I not in that context. Right. I don't. I don't think Connery, so. Not Connery would have never done that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not after. Um, not after. Um, not after. Uh, Homegirl. Vesper. Um, Vesper. Not after yeah. Vesper. Yeah, he's not supposed to do that. Yeah, he was. He he likes his his drink shaken, but he should never be shook. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I respect. So that. come on, let's get to it. What you got? So okay. So what I you know what I thought of this trailer for one thing I it was a whole lot more than I expected than anybody expected really it was it was billed yeah. as a teaser trailer yeah. this is not a teaser trailer this is a full-on two minutes and I think 30 seconds of full mm-hmm. trailer you know um and you know so we got a lot more and we I just I to me this is the best trailer that's dropped all year you know for any film you know any unreal film you know this 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 trailer mm-hmm. far exceeded my expectations and from what I can see online it far exceeded anybody's expectations um, which I think was necessary to do. You know, it's been five years since Spectre. Um, they lost a director for this film when Danny Boyle got fired. There's been a lot of grumblings. They don't, Eon doesn't know what they're doing. Um, Bond's in trouble, blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah. So it was very reaffirming and satisfying to see this trailer drop. And it kind of just like, like I said, it dropped two days after Black Widow. It immediately like dominated the news cycle in terms of, you know, these type of unreal films. And it was like, yo, this is, you know, they always say, what did I tell you? They always say Bond is back. They always say that, mm-hmm. you know, Bond is back. Mm-hmm. And with every film that comes out, Bond is back. But this time it really felt like, oh shit, Bond is back. You know, it was like, this is, it felt like a moment. Like, damn, this, this trailer really just, you know, it, it grabbed you and shook you and said, nah, we, we, we're coming to play this time. Um, so what I hope for this, for the film, obviously, is that we are going to get a film that is not only one of, if not the best of the Craig era, but is one of the best of the entire, you know, 25, um, uh, Bond films, you know, the whole run. Um, I would love for this film to be at least as good or better than Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Um, Quantum is, you know, my, for, for personal reasons, Quantum is my favorite, you know, of the Craig era, but clearly the best film, you know, objectively the best film is this Casino Royale. Um, so I'm hoping we get something on that level or even better. Um, so let's just quickly, let's, let's look into this. I know we got to move on very quickly, but this, this trailer begins with action, like, which is rare for trailers. Now, a lot of times trailers now begin with like an overdub, you know, like a voice speaking over ominously over something. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've been gone for a long time, you know, you know, ominous type of non non sequiturs that, you know, eventually jump into some action. This trailer started with boom, you hear the bond thing. It was like, you just got thrown into it. And I was like, Oh, I was immediately. I'm like, I I like this. Mm -hmm. And they're in the middle of a fight cars, you know, the, the DB, the DB five is there and you see, you know, the, they're in the middle of an argument and, you know, why would I betray you? You know, well, everybody has secrets. We just haven't gotten to yours yet. And it's like, Oh shit, what, what happened? Cause <laughs> at, the end, uh-huh. at the end of Spectre, remember they drove away and it was all good. And it was like, okay, uh-huh. Bond's retiring. You know, he's found, you know, we never thought we'd see him with anybody after Vesper, but now he's found a new one and he's, you know, they're about to settle down and this, that, and the yeah. third. Nah, it was like something has jumped off. So that immediately grabbed my attention. Um, opens with the Bond themes. You know, I love that. Practical stunts. You know, he, when he jumps off the bridge, that was like, yeah. oh, it looked like a real stunt. When the motorcycle comes up off that um, ramp, it looked like a real stunt, which I later found that it was. I, I watched that clip online, um, posted to my Twitter account. If you guys want to check it out, go on Isaac Perry on my Twitter account and see it. Um, those are practical stunts, which I love get away from that CGI shit. Let's, let's do this for real. Um, this is, like I said, this post mission impossible world. So we have mm-hmm. to come, we got to mm-hmm. come with it, you know, mm-hmm. in the bond franchise. Um, I loved it. Uh, M Ralph finds his character looks like, you know, like a real M he looks disheveled. He yeah. Like, I know, really like, I really like Ralph finds <laughs> M. Then he looks jacked up. M. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he got to get ready. Right. He looks like he's been through <laughs> it's like, some just, wars in, just in case <laughs> he's, he drinks all day. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, mm-hmm. he's like, where's 007? And you know, you know, at that point he's probably talking about Lashana Lynch's character. Not, yeah. not, not, uh, not, Jane, not, Bond, not, right? not Craig. Yeah. Um, like you, I love the return of, um, of lighter. Um, um, Jeffrey Wright. I'm loving that. Hoping to see him, you know, throughout the film, not just in one or two parts. I want to see him um, in different parts of the movie have a larger role. Um, I love the return of which I can't remember the name of this Aston Martin. I know I'm, you guys can hit us in the comments um, and correct me. But Isn't that a DB9? Is it the DB9? I call it the Living Daylights Aston Martin. So it's Timothy Dalton's Aston Martin and Living Daylights. That car is that's 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 the car. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. that's uh, that car feels. 
the DB5 is the DB5, but that car right there, the Living Daylights DB uh, Aston Martin, that joint, I love seeing that return to the franchise. Um, so I was I was hyped about that mm-hmm. when you see him rip the the the, uh, the cloth off of it and then he's driving it. He drives it to Central London. Um, Lashana Lynch's character, Nomi, did, did, did you saw the character posters right the, that came out the same day or the day before um, the trailer? So you saw all the No Time to Which Die one? posters with all the characters on them. Um, the yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. Nomi, out of all those, I thought I thought Craig looked good. Um, I thought Jane, you know, he he didn't have on a suit. He had on a sweater, tactical sweater. Um, mm-hmm. I think you said you want that. You wanted that joint. I right? do, I do. I want that. Yeah. So um, look out for that. It'll probably cost you a couple thousand dollars, but you know, um, you put that on your Christmas list. Um, and but I thought Nomi, Lashana Lynch's character, looked the illest. You know, she had the full tactical outfit on. She was kind of looking to the side. And in the trailer itself, she really looks good, man. She mm-hmm. looks, I she mean, does. not just, not just attractively looking good, which she does. She also, you know, the action scenes, the way that she moves, the way her, you know, her as an she, actress. Um, she looks like a seasoned agent who is, who is like ready for her agent. shot. And that scene mm-hmm. when she's talking to Bond and she's like, yo, the world has moved on. Don't get in my way. I'll cap you in your, your knee. And then she pauses and says, the one that works. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm feeling her. I'm really mm-hmm. feeling her. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward not only to her by herself, but also her by play, you know, with, with Bond. It's going to, I think that may be a huge part of this film. So um, she looked great. Um, I'm intrigued to know what Madeline's secret is, you know, what the hell this big secret is that, you know, at the beginning of the, of the trailer, we see, you know, she says, why would I betray you? I think here's the thing, Arthur, this is this is this is kind of my one of the theories that we can talk about um, when we get into the whole James Bond thing early next year. I think that because Madeline is the daughter of Mr. White. OK, right. Mr. White. And I, I got to give credit where credit were due. This this theory, I first heard this theory kind of touched on on uh my guys over at the uh the james bond radio podcast they talked about this briefly and i i I, it just it it got my mind working and i was like wow if she's the daughter of mr white mr white is the was you know first showed up at casino royale we know that vesper um basically brokered for bond's life you know casino royale you know and Mm -hmm. they decided to let bond live um, and Mr. White was integral in that, you know, in letting Bond live. Cause remember he, he's the one who comes in, he, he caps, uh, Lashif, um, and leaves Bond alive. Right. Right. So we know that he was, if there's some sort of connection between no time to die and the, the, um, situations and the events of Casino Royale slash Quantum of Solace, that would make me very happy because that would mean that this is more so instead of being a sequel to Spectre, which is a film mm-hmm. that I have some serious issues with. Mm-hmm. No Time to Die is more so a sequel to Casino Royale slash Quantum of Solace, more you know specifically mm. Casino Royale, which would be very very intriguing to me. Especially since I used to, I think Mr. White is probably one of the most underrated villains in the Bond Ovoir, you know. So anyway, we'll talk about that when we get deeper into it um, um, next year. Uh, really quickly, other things I loved about this trailer. Um, uh, Anna Darmus, like I said, her character looked really cool with the double um, machine guns. Uh, Remy Malik Safin looked good. Um, although there's a rumor out there that he's playing Dr. No, which I don't think so. Um, cause I think it would be a huge mistake after that ridiculousness that happened in Spectre with, um, 
Blofeld, you know, and being how they messed up the whole Blofeld thing. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see them bringing back another villain and having somebody else play another villain in the very next movie. Um, uh, okay. So before we wrap this up really quickly, here's my guess on the chronology of this movie. Okay. I believe that this movie is going to open up not long after the events of Spectre. So we're going to get mm-hmm. Bond and Madeline, you know, living together in Italy or wherever they're at. Just some um, sort of setup for the some, separation and right. re- reuniting. So, so and then and then there's going to be the betrayal. You know, he's going to find out something or people are going to come after her and he's going to find out, you know, the secret or that she has a secret for him. That's going to be mm-hmm. the jump off. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what we see in the trailer with DB5. And they're going to go their separate ways after that. Five years are going to go by. So we're talking about real time. So it's been yeah. five years since Spectre. So I think real time is going to pass. Bond is retired, living in Jamaica, um, doing whatever he does. And then Lighter is going to show up asking for this favor. And that's what's going to launch Bond back mm-hmm. into the here and now. And he's going to go back, get the living daylight DB. I mean, Aston Martin. And, you know, we're going to jump into the rest of the movie. That's how I think it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll find, like I said, we'll talk about this more during our special James Bond stuff leading up to No Time to Die. Uh, beginning early next year, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. This trailer far exceeded my expectations, and I was extremely um, pleased with what they did. You know, it, it, they they answered a lot of questions, and it's kind of like they killed a lot of noise because there's been a lot of noise about this movie and what is it going to be, and you know, is it going to make up for this, you know, the lost time and blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and this, you know, and I feel like Kerry Fukunaga, they they really him and his crew, it looks like they really are going to bring it with this movie. Mm. Can I just say that I absolutely hate Naomi Harris's poster? Yes, yeah, it's, it's a bad poster. I, you know, listen, and we'll talk about this next year too. But they, what they've done with you know the Money Penny character, her Money Penny, going from field agent in Skyfall to you know basically she looks secretary like she looks admin. like she's about to make a Starbucks run. <laughs> she then her poster, her poster wasn't even one of the first ones that got released. It was on the second wave of posters got released, which tells me she's not going to be in the movie a lot. Um, which, you know, you want to see Bond interact with Q and Money Penny and M and mm-hmm. Lighter, but you don't want to see them throughout the entire flick. You know, you want to see him on his own, you know, doing what Bond does. But I thought Naomi Harris and Skyfall, she was one of the brighter moments. She was one of the, the bright moments of Skyfall. Um, there were a lot of bright moments in that film, but I thought she was one of the brighter moments and her interplay with Bond, you know, was good. And I, I thought she had good chemistry with Daniel Craig. So yeah, it's kind of, it's, it's one of the casualties that, that we see of, you know, sometimes happens in movies with characters that get kind of pushed that get marginalized. So mm-hmm. I'm with you though. The poster, the poster was terrible, especially since the other ones were so good, but her and Q, Q's poster was whack too. Mm-hmm. All right, I know we got to move right. along, man. Um, we got to get into Mando really quickly. Um, episodes five and six. Oh yes, I know you got some stuff to get off your chest. So go. You want to go ahead? Go ahead. Go ahead. Kick it off. All right. So I um I'm beginning to have some problems with the Mandalorian, and the biggest problem that I'm having with it is that I'm not supposed to have any problems. <laughs> with this show <laughs> this is supposed to be a panacea this is supposed to be the the ointment that you put on all your little star wo- star wars right. wounds <laughs> right 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 um okay. we're at chapter six we have two more chapters for the season mm-hmm. i have not seen Giancarlo esposito mm. i haven't seen bug i have not learned anything more about the client mm-hmm. is he 
does he happen to be pissed off that the child is missing? <laughs> no, that the child is gone. And the money. Has got, <laughs> okay, and his best car has been Arthur. We don't have product or the money. <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> right. We don't know anything from uh, shit, Doctor Phillips. What's my man's name again? Phelps, I think. Camino. It's 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 some Amer- It's some basically like you know suburban type style doctor. You yeah, know. I think it's Phelps. I think it's Phelps. We don't know. We don't know anything further about him. Was there any consequences for the child missing? Mm-hmm. Was there any who who's who's the quote unquote him mm-hmm. that wanted that wanted the child alive? Mm-hmm. You know, we 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 know we know nothing. We've gone what three episodes, chapters four, five, and six, mm-hmm. where Mando and the child, otherwise internet known as Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. where they have gone on a Shogun assassin type um, journey, mm-hmm. and the only people that have been coming after him are Guild. Uh, bounty, bounty hunters, right. who want to retrieve the child or discover that he's got the child, mm-hmm. getting into chapter five, but uh, you know that they can collect the reward and the glory. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like in chapter five they hint that they want the bounty hunters want to bring Mando him and in the child. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like that's 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 the creme de la creme. That's the jackpot. That's mm-hmm. the legacy. If right. we bring both of them in, you know, right. um, that's. That's fine for two episodes, mm-hmm. but now it's starting to to um, wear on me mm-hmm. that we've gotten this far and we don't know anything further about what set up this whole series, this whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And to your point, yeah, the client um, who was the, one of the bright moments of episode one and episode three, he, he he's not he ain't no Nino Brown. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like he, right. he didn't have to be. If somebody got took Nino's product and the money, you right. know, that would be a that would you would definitely see him in more episodes when right. we've seen the client. So yeah, I, I'm with you but there. You, it's, it's like But you why? find out really you find out in episode two that he's the that, or episode three that he's the facilitator mm-hmm. For of making else. this operation happen. Right, right. Yeah. So okay, here's what I feel. I'm with you. I feel like you remember those old um Bugs Bunny cartoons where Bugs be like tunneling and then he stick his head up and he'd be like I took a wrong turn in Albuquerque Albuquerque mm-hmm. you remember that mm-hmm. that's why I feel like this 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 series has taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque and what this is what I mean by that I think that Favreau and Filoni when they set out they said okay we got eight episodes so I feel like the way they said okay we're going to do we're going to establish the overall mythology for this show the main mm-hmm. storyline in the first mm-hmm. three episodes okay mm-hmm. Then we're going to spend three episodes of procedural, you know, mm. and then the last two episodes, which will be a two parter, we're going to do. We're going to get back into the mythology and end the season on that note. I think that's the game plan they set up, which mm. on paper sounds fine. The X-Files used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. established the first episode of the season would be like the overall, you know, conspiracy mythology. Trust no one. That whole, you mm-hmm. know, Mulder and all that stuff. Then you would get the procedural episodes, you know, the one and dones. Um, and then you mid season, you return to mythology, procedural, then mid, then mythology to end out the, uh, the, or the that season. So on mm-hmm. paper, that looks good. The problem, I'm agree- the reason I agree with you though is that episode four, which we already reviewed, yeah. um, I had issues with 
but there was yeah. still a lot of exposition in that episode. We learned yeah. a lot about Mando, mm-hmm. and there were some layers there. What his, val- what his values were. What his we values were. Values. My we main learned issues. some about his desires. I'm sorry, but we learned about his desires, too. Right, his desires. Like, he would have stayed. He would have stayed. But it was too much for him to dis- you know, to walk away from the way, the Mandalorian way. Okay, right. I'll be quiet. So we got, we got depth, you know what I'm saying? We got some something to sink our teeth into. Um, and then I had, you know, the issues I had with the, that episode were separate from that. But then with episode five, which to me was the worst episode of the season so far, um, we really didn't get any depth. And I think what really killed that episode was that not only because it was a procedural, what, and I should add, I watched it once and was like, wow, that was really not good. But then upon second viewing, I liked a little bit more of it, but it's still to me the worst episode of the season so far. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. what really got, what really hurt that episode was fan service, man. I think that they went way too far and being cute almost with their references. So oh God, yeah, we got to go to Tatooine, which is fine, but we got to go to the cantina. We got to sit at the same exactly, table. Exactly. It was exciting to see, you know, when you, when he's approaching the planet and it's Moss Eisley, you hear them say, you know, he's calling Moss Eisley to get, you know, to get clearance to land or whatever. Right. It's like, Oh shit. You know, we back at Tatooine, you know, that felt good. Yeah, yeah. 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 But then when you get there and yeah, you know, you see him, he's walking as the cantina. I was like, oh, I was like, they about to go to the same cantina. But then I was like, okay, you know, let's see. Let's they going to go to the same cantina. There can't cantina. be but one cantina in the place. By space <laughs> Maybe there is only one. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. And this is, we don't know. But here's, here's what I like, though. When he walks in, and this guy, I didn't realize this until I saw a couple of people. And I saw two or three different uh, uh, YouTube things that mentioned this. He walks in and the guy, you know, there's the droid behind there. I believe right. in the original in in uh, the original Star Wars flick, they make the reference that droids aren't allowed in there. You know, what I'm saying? So, so you get you get like a little bit. Oh, this you know this is post Empire shit has changed. Droids are allowed, and guess what though? It's empty as hell in there. It's like nobody's in there. So I don't know. Business is down. You know, I'm not sure what's going mm-hmm. on. In the whole town, the whole you know the area around there felt a little bit less you know um, congested. There just wasn't that type of buzz that there was from in a, in a New Hope. Yeah. So I was kind of still with it, but then when you turn around, I'm, dude, when he turned around and that chump was sitting in Han's seat, killed it. I was like, I was like, oh damn. I was like, they, they, that's too much. It's too, exactly. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. It's too much fan service. It's too on the nose. Um, I didn't like that character. I didn't like the guy. What was his name? Tor Toro. Um, yeah. I forgot the actor's name, but I didn't like Toro Calican. Uh, Jake. Canavale is the actor's name. Okay, yeah, I didn't like the way he played the character. I did Amy. I think it was Amy Sedaris was the uh, who played. Yeah, Amy uh, Sedaris was. Uh, shoot, I forget her name, but she was the one that she was the mechanic. Right, I liked her. I liked yep. her. I could deal yep. with her. I yep. liked her. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, I liked her interaction with Yoda. Yeah, with, she, with, with, with uh, child. baby Yoda. Yeah, she mm-hmm. was. She was cool. But then you get here, and here's the thing, man. There's too many. You know, when you, procedurals have, involve a lot of guest stars, you know. And I feel like they're being a little bit too extravagant with their guest stars. In other words, and we'll get to this in episode when we talk about episode six in a minute. But I feel like that the the guest stars are it's almost like they're actors who are trying to make too much of a and I should say in in these last couple episodes, not in the first three, but in these last let's say five and six, mm. the guest stars just are a little bit they're not fitting right. They're not feeling right to me. Toro just did mm-hmm. not feel right. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, some of the guys in episode six just didn't feel right. And I, I don't know, man. It's just like, I, I'm with you a hundred percent. I feel like they, these last two episodes, the procedural thing is not working. It's making me wonder, can star Wars go small? In other words, 
do you always the first three episodes of this this series really deepened not only the lore of the Mandalorian, it mm-hmm. fed us the lore of the whole Star Wars universe. You know, we got to we we felt, you know, something. And even in mm-hmm. episode four, when Cara Dune is talking about what happened post Endor, you know, saying it's like we're feeling we're getting more of, you know, of this universe and chart starting mm-hmm. to understand. It's making me wonder, can we have Star Wars shows that don't do that? Because if you look at the Clone Wars, the animated Clone Wars, yeah, they had a ridiculous amount of standalone episodes, but it felt like all of it was giving us more of the universe. You know, it was all, mm-hmm. it was kept deepening our understanding of this universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These last two episodes, specifically episode five, um, I didn't feel any, I didn't feel any broadening of my understanding of the universe, even though there were all these callbacks, you know. Um, let me talk about a couple of callbacks I did like, though. Let's be positive for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like the reference to the huts. You know, I mm-hmm. liked when when Mando told old boy, like, okay, you going after Fennec Shan. By the way, Fennec Shan, by the way, which one is a dope name, a dope Star Wars name. Fennec Shan, dope Star Wars name. How are you going to kill her? I don't know. But anyway. How, she's not supposed to die. But let's, She's not supposed to die. <laughs> she's dope not Star to Wars name. Right. People like Ran and, you know, Tora, all these whack names. But then you get Fennec Shan. But anyway, I like the whole reference to her. She was one of the assassins for the Huts. you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. Dope reference. Um, I like seeing the uh, the Banthas um, and the Sand People slash Tusken Raiders. I love seeing them again. That was my um, favorite scene, by the way. But yeah, the Binox when he pulls out those binoc- binoculars, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like that. That felt mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were some to me. There were some good references, and I did like Finnish and I forgot the actress, the, the actor that it's, plays uh, that Ming, role. Ming Na Wen. Ming okay, yeah, she's she's always good. She, I think she's in the Agents of Shield. Um, but she's always yeah. good. I've seen her in a number of things. She's always good. So I liked her, her character. She was in, uh, I think her, de- her big debut was the Joy Luck Club from, mm-hmm. from the 90s. But go ahead. How, do you, how did you feel about um, the speeder bikes? The speeder bikes look cool, right? Yeah, I was fine with the speeder bikes. Okay, so. I like the speeder bikes better than, you know, somebody coming up with a land speeder. Mm-hmm. Let's talk quickly, though, the, the last scene, Okay. Yep. So we really didn't get too much out of this episode. And then this last scene happens where some mysterious figure shows up and leans over the body of Fennec Shan. Um, who were we supposed to believe that was? Because <laughs> here's the thing, Arthur. If it's Gene Carlo, why not just show his face? Why be so mysterious about it? <laughs> if y'all can see the look that Arthur just had on his face, I mean, YouTube all, channel coming soon just so we can, can show we these, get, these expressions. First of all, can we just get back to how Finnick wasn't supposed to die? She wasn't supposed to die. She and was particularly, too dope and, and particularly not 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 from Toro. Not from Toro. Yeah, brutal killing though. By the way, brutal. You know, which you know, brutal right blaster straight to the stomach from like two yeah, feet away. Well, he's kind of like trying to put it together. I mean, from the from the standpoint of from the standpoint of Toro's character being one you know he's he he wants the money but he, what he really wants is the glory mm-hmm. you know so killing the way that he the way that he killed her the way he sort of like put that together the way that he 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 constantly bit off more than he can chew which was a little inconsistent because he, he was so hesitant at the beginning he needed help to even go after her in the first place yeah you know yeah. It just didn't. It didn't really feel right to me. But but okay. I just need to get that off my chest. Um, <laughs> insofar as who that was supposed to be, 
in episode four, when the assassin comes to kill the child, he's from the guild. Right. How do we know he's from the guild? He's because got the tracker. He's got the tracker. Right. In this episode, in episode five, to see these mysterious feet, it would be inconsistent that that would be a guild member because the guild member would be tracking the child and right. not Mandalorian. Alright, so it's not another So you could infer mm-hmm. Right. You could infer that it's either client related mm-hmm. or some other party. So let's go with that. If it's client related, then we're thinking it's probably Giancarlo. Because he's probably the cat at the you know, of the remnants of the Empire who wants this child. So right. he's probably but, the one at heart. But why would one. a but why would a moth be in the middle of the desert? Yeah, good point. Good point. So Let's say it's not client related. Let's say it's some other party. Who could that be? And dare I? I'm about to throw some out there. You ready? Mm. Could it Obi- be Luke Skywalker? Obi Wan? No, Luke Skywalker. Obi Wan's dead at this time. Remember, he's gone. This is post. This is post. He's gone. But Luke is out there. And Luke yeah. may have after the, the events of Return of the Jedi. Did Luke stay on with? The new, uh, the new Republic. Some of you deeper, you know, Star Wars heads who have read Aftermath and all those books, you may have an answer to this. Um, but as we record this right now, we don't have an answer to this. But did Luke stay on with, you know, the Republic and help, you know, police the rest of the, the galaxy, or did he at some point go back to Tatooine, you know, take a time out, go back to the home home world, see what's up, and somehow got involved in this? I don't think it's him, dude. I think it'd be crazy for them to, you know, reintroduce yeah, Luke Skywalker any, in this there, manner. I don't think there'd be any reason for him to ever want to return. But, you know, I'm just throwing, I'm just throwing out because the dude was wearing all black. We know that Luke was wearing, you know, into the, yeah. the all black at the end of the Return of the Jedi. So I'm just throwing it out there as a possibility. The other possibility a rumor I saw or kind of a want that I saw online, people were like, what if it's Boba Fett? What if he's involved somehow? And I don't you know how you feel fell about in the this. monster's mouth. I don't see that happening. Well, you know, this is what I'm saying. I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, what, I mean, listen, it's the Star Wars universe. If Darth Maul right. can come back, anybody can come back. Um, but there. I don't know how you feel about this. But at this point, man, and yeah, I've asked, I'm, ha- I'm having some problems with this the series right now. But just based on the first three, maybe first three and a half episodes of Mandalorian, at this point, and I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings, but fuck Boba Fett. I'm tired mm-hmm. of hearing about Boba Fett. I'm tired mm-hmm. of everybody like bring Boba Fett. He's the co- mm-hmm. f Boba Fett, man. Give me more Mando. You right. know what I'm saying? It's like Boba Fett was. He was cool. He looked cool. He acted cool. He went out like a chump, and it was. I feel bad the way they made him go out. You know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. was just whack. Mm-hmm. I liked him in Clone Wars. I like what they did with him as a little kid in Clone Wars. You know that was cool. But at this point. I'm more, you know, I'm interested in the Mando is just a much more interesting character to me. You know, he's just he's just much more interesting to me. So that kind of rumor was out there for me. I saw that on Twitter. You know, what if it's Boba Fett? But I'm like, I don't I don't care about Boba Fett. To me, whoever that was, was tracking Mando. Yeah, I think it was Giancarlo. But then, like I said, it brings the question of why would you hide his face? Like, what would be the point of that? You know, just show us as him. And that way we can get excited about, you know, the Empire, the remnants of the Empire now are really going to come after him. All right, so that leads into episode six, though, um, which to me, I'll find out what you think. To me, I thought it was a better episode than episode five. Yeah, I was the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, I really wasn't feeling it. The second time I watched episode six, I was like, wait a minute. There's some dopes. You know, there's some there's some really 
I don't want to say interesting because it wasn't there wasn't a lot of depth to this episode, but there was some really cool things that happened in episode six. There was some what, really what did you cool. There was some really cool Star Wars core Star Wars stuff that happened in there. The aesthetic of the prison ship, mm. the use of the you know the white light, the red light, mm. um, the um, uh, the X wings. I wasn't mad to see the X wings at the end. Mm, you know, mm. um, there were some great references there. The problem that I had was I felt that the third act uh, pretty much fell apart mm. because um, the man, the Mandalorian that we've been familiar with, that we've been that we've been following, would not have left those people alive in a prison cell. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Go. I'm gonna get on that, but go ahead. I feel that you. that just flat out wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um. Second, I've got I, I, I have a I've got a bit of a problem with the notion that the tracker, the distress tracker that alerted the New Republic to the prison ship having an issue, an emergency mm-hmm. w- would just somehow go from being at point A <laughs> to you, to be point like a, right. B that you got to get to through hyperspace and right. that just be cool. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Oh, the tracker's here now because <laughs> right. they only right. had 20 minutes before the people came up before the before the before the New Republic showed up. Yeah. Why is the why is the alert a mobile thing? Why isn't it just a button on the console? You know what I'm saying? Why is it a thing right. that the guy and if it, if it is a thing that he's carrying in his hand? it seems like that would just be a way for him to trigger it when he's not at the console. You know what I'm saying? So then right. if they, they would, I guess, are we to assume that they went to the prison ship first? You know, are we to assume that the X-Wings went there no, first and made we're, sure that we're to, cool? we're to assume that they went to where the tracker was. Okay. So maybe, maybe another makes party no sense though. Maybe because another. It's like, well, wait a minute, you know, Hey, red leader, <laughs> you know, this thing is, you know, 80,000 light clicks, year clicks. Right. To the, sex, to the to the right. north, right. <laughs> but what if what if they what if we are to assume and I, we're doing their work for them at this point? But what if we are to yeah. assume that they sent two squadrons and one went to check on the prison ship to make sure everything was cool, and then another one went after the homing beacon to see okay, you know I, we, that's loosely plausible. You know the <laughs> idea <you>. that. <laughs> <laughs> that's loosely plausible to be like okay, I only had Mando, a few seconds to work on it man give me a break <laughs> I'll come up know? with something more plausible if you give me a few more minutes but now <laughs> <laughs> shit <laughs> I can see you like being in a meeting like yeah Isaac that's loosely plausible um, go back <laughs> into the drawing board and come up with something that's a little better <laughs> no I mean I'm, I'm, I'm yeah I, I, I'm saying that to be on your side really because I mean it's like okay he put him in the cell to let the New Republic deal with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he 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 took the tracker with him to let the New Republic deal with right. deal with you Ron, know Ron and yeah. and Kim or whatever my man's name was. Ron. You know what I'm saying? Ron. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Ron. <laughs> right, Ron and Quinn. Ron, you know, Ron, but Ron it's like Ken. when <laughs> the when the X wings came out of hyperspace. First of all, I didn't know X-Wings to go into hyperspace, but when they came out of hyperspace, because mm-hmm. they ever gone into hyperspace? Cause, I mean, when, when Luke went to Dagobah, he didn't go in, he didn't jump into hyperspace, did he? I don't, that's a good question. I thought man. those were I short. Believe, though, in, in, in The Force Awakens, I think they jumped into hyperspace. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that, we'll, we'll leave go, that over, we'll go to over here. We'll look that one up. 
But it's like when they came out of hyperspace, they passed Mando. Mando had to maneuver a little bit to not collide with one of them. Not one of them were like, oh, hey, boss. Hey, Red Leader. What about this cat? The one that's leaving the place. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Just in time. Just in time. You know, I thought I thought the episode looked good. I thought, you know, we had Rick Famuyiwa come back as the director, yeah, so you could yeah. you could definitely feel that. You know, it looked great. The action mm-hmm. was great. The scene, yeah, it Mando. seemed more solid. Seemed much more solid because yeah. didn't Filoni direct episode five? He directed episode five. Yeah, yeah, he directed episode five, and he wrote episode five, which I think mm-hmm. was the bigger problem um, with episode five. I thought mm-hmm. the look of episode five was kind of cool to me, but the yeah, he did, he wrote it. And I, it just wasn't it just wasn't executed properly. But anyway, episode six, Famuyiwa um, uh, directed it. He co-wrote it with uh, Christopher Yost, who's uh, who's done some un- some Unreal. I think he can't remember what superhero films he's associated with, but he's done some things anyway. So it, I thought it looked great. The action scenes, Mando versus the droids, was dope. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the best thing at the end when Mando went one on, you know, took off off three three of them out um you know one-on-one um yeah. isolated them and took them out i thought that was really cool especially the batman dark knight rises type scene where the lights were blinking and yep. you saw him appear that was dope that was dope yep. i was highly highly irritated just like you at the end where you found out that they were alive i was really irritated by that because one it doesn't fit with his character we've seen him be brutal as hell when he took out them stormtroopers in yeah, episode three playing. Like mm-hmm. I said, he knocked one unconscious. Dude was unconscious, and he still put one in his chest. You know, it was like, yep. dude, he was not playing. So that kind of, and I can see if you're going to say, okay, he softened a little bit because of the influence of the child of being a father now. You know, I don't know, but you you got to explain that to me. You can't just, you know, that needs to be that needs to be shown a little bit more. Um, so I was, I like you, I was upset. It felt very Disney to me at the end where they were still alive. I just, I didn't like that. Um, Ron, Ron, Ran, whatever the hell his name was. Yeah. Um, I didn't like his character. I didn't like the way he, the actor portrayed him. It felt too, um, him and, uh, what was the guy's name? Um, Ken? Mayfield, Mayfeld, Mayfeld, him and Mayfeld. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The sharpshooter. They felt like cats just like, I don't know, from Bridgeport or something, you know, they felt like dudes just like, you know, hanging out at the bar on 35th street, you know, it was just like, they, mm-hmm. they didn't feel part of the star Wars universe to me. It was like, Oh, you know, Mando and this, you know, what we used to do back in the day. And it just, it just didn't yeah. work. I, I didn't think it worked. They didn't feel really. And then, um, Jean, the, the Twi'lek, um, who we get, you know, it's, it, we're basically told that her and Mando had a relationship. Mm-hmm. There was absolutely no chemistry between the two of them. Um, she seemed like a caricature of what a, you know, um, kind of half, almost like a Harley Quinn type character, you know, like half crazy, um, malicious, but very, you know, skilled mm-hmm. and deadly type, you know, um, assassin is supposed to be. She, I just, it was just kind of like a, a trope to me. She didn't really, mm-hmm. she didn't feel good to me. And I didn't, mm-hmm. there was no chemistry, no nothing between her and Mandalorian. And mm-hmm. it's hard. I know it's hard because Mandalorian has a, you know, a helmet on. So it's hard to see. On, right. right. That's hard to do. But there was nothing between them. So I didn't really like her character. And um, then there was, uh, there was a uh, Red Horn Brutus. Didn't like him, even though I liked the fight scene. Um, yeah, I, I, that's another thing. I need to find out if we've ever seen his his race before. I don't know if we ever have. Um, I thought I saw him, but the horns were different, mm-hmm. so maybe not. But okay. I thought I saw him as in in one of the in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked I liked the fight scene between him and Mando. Um, and Mando basically uses 
his his he he outthinks him basically you know and maneuvers him into a situation and then um i thought he crushed his head which i was like oh that was dope you know that was like the callback to the first episode where he cut dude in half Mm -hmm. Um, but then of course later we found out he only cut off his horns which i thought was whack um yeah and i I mean okay you've been this dude's been crushed by two doors one horizontally (laughs) the other vertically and this dude's in one piece in a cell with a headache yeah it's just it was it was whack yeah and then i you know I would have been cool if they would have established some real chemistry between him and Jian, the Twi'lek, and mm-hmm. if he would have left her alive. You know what I'm saying? That would have been cool. Like, you see at mm-hmm. the end that he didn't he didn't kill her. He, he spared her life and put her in a cell. Because then we get her, you know, we might see her again, and that would have been cool. Kind of like Ventress. You know what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. she was more of a Ventress-type character. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have all three of them, I was like, that was, that was whack. I did like... Um, the scene in the ship inside the Razor Crest when they were trying to take Mando's helmet off. Um, yeah. I thought there was some nice tension there, and I liked the little scrap he got into in that one. Um, I liked the fact there was a there was a second when he, before uh, Mando gets off the Razor Crest to go on the mission, he looks over at the door where the child is, and mm-hmm. you kind of see him thinking, you know, like you know he's worried about the child, but he knows he has to go on this mission to you know right. get some money so they can survive so i like that that kind of that kind of um nuance um i like the fact that baby yoda the the cat and mouse game he was playing with the droid on the ship at the same time while mando was playing cat and mouse on the the prison thing yeah it didn't make any sense to me why zero would have wanted to execute the child yeah it was like (sighs) particularly as a droid if he knew for certain that that he was you know they would want the child dead or alive that would have made sense Mm -hmm. Yeah, but he, all he got was that message from Grief Karga that was kind of like you know bring the child back. So right. why would he try to execute him? That yeah, that didn't make sense. Right. I did like that how the, I did like how Baby Yoda raised his hand. And he was about to probably tear dude apart with the force, mm-hmm. but then Mando capped him. That was that was kind of that was funny too because when I when I saw that I, I audibly was like oh goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought he was just going to rip him apart or something like uh-huh. that, which would have been a dope scene. But I liked how they kind of played with the fact that no Mando. Mando got this. His mercy doesn't extend to uh, to droids. Um, can, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say one, just, one thing I didn't ahead, like. Ahead, um, yeah. I know you like the X Wing thing at the end it. was cool. The X that that was cool. I hated the fact that it was the three directors. You picked up on that, right? Did you notice yeah. that? I didn't yeah. like the fact. Because yeah. one thing, yeah. Dave yeah. Filoni. If you are any any kind of Star Wars fan, Dave Filoni's face is very familiar to you. So as soon as I saw him, it took me out of the show. I'm like, that's Dave Filoni. You mm-hmm. know. And then I guess oh that's Rick. And that's, I recognize Rick. Picture of him before, and that's Deborah. That's Deborah Chow. You know, so it was mm-hmm. like that was the opportunity they could have created. They did create three new canon characters because um, they got names on the credits. I forgot what the names were. So those are they're, they're canon now. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like if you would have cast real actors in them roles, that's three characters that could have showed up. You know, some other way, maybe somewhere down the road. So it was like I felt like that was a little bit too too cute and like it was like something they wanted to do and now you know we had to be like oh that's that's cool but it wasn't cool um last thing i'll say really quickly is that um Gorenson's score on this this episode i haven't listened to it yet on spotify but it felt a little bit too modern in some parts like i, I felt some hip-hop in some of the scenes um when he was when mando was was isolating them one by one and um, knocking them off it felt like there's a couple cues, music cues that felt a little bit too modern to me mm-hmm. um, and not Star Warsy enough. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You about to, what were you about to say? It's a it's a it's a gripe. It's a gripe. Mm-hmm. But um, Amando's ship. What's the name of the ship? Razor Crest. 
Yeah, the Razor Crest. So, okay. So on the Razor Crest, you know, Mando's got this arsenal, right? Mm-hmm. And this arsenal is kept behind a panel. That anybody can that, access. <laughs> bro. So get a security code, Mando. <laughs> right. It's like it's like, oh, oh, let's try one, two, three, four. Boom. Boom. <laughs> No, it's it's Mando. Yeah. <laughs> M-A-N-T-O. Yeah. And right. same thing and same thing with discovering the child. I mean, I get that you discovered the child, mm-hmm. but because you just hit you just happened to hit the button. Right, he fell back and hit the right button. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he needs some security. He needs ADT on his uh on the on the razor crest for real. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's like, you know, some kind of two factor authentication or something. I mean, side note, I've always wondered with these on Star Wars with the ships. Can anybody just walk into a ship, sit down, and start the ship up and take it? Because it's like that's what happened in Force Awakens. You know, they just walk. You know, it's fair to say that the Razor Crest, you could. I mean, you need a. Don't we need a code? We don't have keys, so don't we need a code or something? It's like because anybody could just steal your ship. You know, look what happened in Episode Two um, when the Jawas they just took it. But the Jawas strike me as somebody that they're going to get in. You know, they they don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they got a kind of like a skeleton key or something. (laughs) Yeah, like Rocket. Oh, I'm gonna get that arm. <laughs> so um overall um oh and really really quick music score we were just talking about the the cues um one cue i love is the child's theme you heard it really distinctly in chapter five at the end um no i'm sorry chapter four at the end when mm-hmm, um, the mm-hmm. last scene the, the you know they're riding off mando and the child are leaving the uh the, the little settlement the farm and you hear the the camera's just on the child and you hear his theme that this it's called Mando says goodbye in that, that particular, um, on that, that track or that, that episode, but it's basically the child's theme. And it's like one of the most star Wars, star Warsy type things I've ever heard since John Williams. It's just, it's beautiful and it's, yeah. it feels really appropriate for the show. So they brought it I've been again listening to the, in this episode. I'll listen again. Well, I've been listening on you know pretty much on a weekly basis but i haven't listened to six independent mm-hmm. of watching it on television mm-hmm. that being said um your point to to you know hearing the hearing a uh, you know the drum track it doesn't it didn't it didn't stand out to me watching the sh- watching the episode mm-hmm. um and i don't necessarily mind the more modern cues mm-hmm. that gorenson uses for this i don't necessarily think it has to it has to be either a throwback or stay within this you know kind of like the same you know scope Mm -hmm. because like the music in the clone wars animated series um you know doesn't have that williams type of lush orchestration you know it seems more befitting of the medium right so i i'm i'm i guess um, I'm a little more forgiving. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, it's that there's been so many places in Man- the Mandalorian where he does have that type of Star Wars feel mm-hmm. that to me, this episode, just episode six, there was just certain parts where it just, it felt very different. Like, I, like I was very much aware of the shift. That fair, um, I, get, I get that. Yeah, yeah I get that. Know, I, but I, I really well, like the I'll, flourishes with the, uh, with the flute, which sounds like, right. a, you know, a bamboo Right, you know that I think that's very distinctive to this. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't work in you know like episode nine, for example. Right, it's very, it's very, yeah. He's establishing something that's very Mandalorian. You know, it's like even in this, even in uh this in episode six, there's a moment where he does 
I think it's when he's taking them out one by one and he says something, um, you know, they got what they deserved. I think he says, and you hear the Mandalorian theme pop in and it's like, Ooh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's very Mandalorian at this point. Right. All right and yeah, I'm let's, like, let's, no, they didn't. They didn't get what they deserved. They, <laughs> they didn't. Leave they you didn't actually in jail, <laughs> Take your baby and your ship. Right. They didn't actually. And it was, yeah, that was, that was a letdown. That was a Disney. That felt very Disney to me. I, I didn't, I wasn't feeling it at all. All right. Let's wrap up this episode with uh, something special. Um, what are we going to do? All right. Well, we are closing out um, the decade. Um, I am from the school where the decade really starts on the one. You know, the millennium really started in 2001. But I get it. We're coming like up a, on 2020. Math coding things. That because you you into the the uh, the technology. So you, that's how your your brain works, or what? Well, no. I mean, I I took math as a child in school, <laughs> so it's just that's appropriate. <laughs> Zero don't count. When well, you count on your fingers, you start with <laughs> one. <laughs> right. um, so, the trend and just you know, so the decade starts next next year, right? Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So we wanted to do a quick challenge where uh, where Isaac and I we pick a uh, an, a our favorite Unreal film from the past ten years, from twenty ten to twenty nineteen, and also a past uh, television. Uh, series or show in a series that took place in 2010 or 2019. Uh, let's, you let's, go first. Let's do TV first. You want me to go right. first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I, hope, I'm, I may have picked yours. I don't know because we haven't revealed these to each other. So. I don't think you picked. I don't think you picked mine. I have. I have Plan B for both of mine. So just in case. All right. Um, all right. So my favorite television series, Unreal TV. My favorite Unreal TV series of this past decade that we're this decade we're about to leave was daredevil season one netflix daredevil season one and the reason why i chose because you know there's there's a lot especially towards the latter end of this decade we got a lot of good um tv shows you know unreal tv shows both on netflix a lot of the Mm -hmm. cw stuff which isn't necessarily my thing but at the same time i respect it Mm -hmm. um and then we got some amc stuff you know we we got a lot of good, you know, solid, unreal storytelling um, outside of just the, the traditional network. So we, we you know, I think the, the television series really kind of caught up towards where, where the films were towards the end of this decade. But Daredevil season one, man, I do, mm-hmm. especially after that Ben Affleck, um, you know, um, travesty, uh, travesty, uh, just atrocity. Um, I didn't think when they announced that they were going to do a Daredevil Netflix series, I didn't even check for it, bro. I didn't even watch it initially. Mm-hmm. It took me mm-hmm. maybe a month or two before I, I watched it, you know, and I had Netflix. It wasn't like I didn't have Netflix. And I only subscribed for Daredevil. I had Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was 2015. So this, this, uh, this series, this, the whole series, I, I, you know, I'm into, but season one to me is almost a perfect season of television. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a few things I can nitpick at, but overall this show basically took what Frank Miller did in the eighties with daredevil and put it on television and added to it. Not to say that it was better than, than Frank Miller's daredevil series mm-hmm. in the eighties, mm-hmm. but it basically fit in. And, and kind of um, it, it became a part of Daredevil lore for me. Like in my mind, there's even though they're different stories, there's no real separation between these things now where a lot of times you have kind of a you put them in, in different boxes. Well, for me, the Daredevil season one, the Netflix show 
is now a in the same box to me as all the other daredevil mythos that i'm into mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um as you can see behind me you looking at the shelf behind me you see all my you daredevil. like right anthologies back there anthologies and volumes and let me just say for the listeners isaac has if you've ever seen leo tolstoy's war and peace <laughs> and a, as a hardcover mm-hmm. isaac has behind him on his bookcase two volumes of that size one is <laughs> thor and one is daredevil right right so these are the the marvel omnibuses and those are the that's the frank miller um uh yeah frank miller calls jansen um omnibus for daredevil and then i have a lot of special editions electra electra assassin frank miller's electra assassin is one of my favorite limited series of all time um maybe in it sometimes it even surpasses uh some of the daredevil and batman stuff for me but anyway this you know this series basically it was like they just took frank miller's playbook and was like okay we are going to set our show in that new york in that hell's kitchen you right. know, only it's 2015 instead of 1985, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it just, you know, it worked, man. I think Charlie Cox was perfect for the role. Um, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio was perfect for Kingpin. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen Page, I forget the actor's name, played Karen Page. I liked her. Foggy Nelson, I thought was per- great casting all the way down the line. Um, when we got to Electra in season two, I had a couple issues, but we'll talk about that some other time. But stick, and then there was David Car- yeah, David Carradine. David Carradine. Stick, perfect, perfect. Yeah. I mean, Pitt. Mm-hmm. He may have been more perfect as Stick, and he was slightly different than he was in the comic than Frank Miller's comic. He was different, but basically the same. And mm-hmm. you know, the storytelling and the the kind of um, the war between Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk. I mean, it was just I, that's that's something. Even if you have seen it, go back and watch it. You know, season one was just was a masterpiece, in my opinion. Um, so that's my that's my TV show. Favorite of the decade TV series. Season one, Daredevil. What about you? What you got? All right. Well, mine is a little different. Um, there was uh, I, I I really did enjoy Daredevil season one. I wasn't a Daredevil guy before I watched uh, the Netflix uh, series. Um, I love the first season of Jessica Jones. Um, that was my runner up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that, um, but 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 something that that it's a little nostalgic. Uh, all of this is nostalgic, yes. But it, it, yeah, I became um, a new father in in 2008. Mm-hmm. So by 2010, I was watching a lot of children's shows, <laughs> and um, one that really that I that I found out about you know late. The the show had its first season, I believe, in two thousand uh, the two thousand seven eight season, but it's called Yo Gabba Gabba. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Only reason I know about this is because of you. I was out of them years by the time this came along. But go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> and Yo Gabba Gabba, and Yo Gabba Gabba. Uh, basically, the setup is that there is a uh, a human figure uh, known as DJ Lance who mm-hmm. carries around uh, uh, a boombox, uh, something mm-hmm. on the order of the back cover of LL Cool J's debut album. And this, <laughs> this, he, he can say some magic words, yo gabba gabba, and the box opens up and reveals these, these figurines that can mm-hmm. come to life. And mm-hmm. you know, you've got a robot, You've got a Cyclops, Muno. You've got uh, some kind of green-haired, furry, Oscar the Grouch-looking monster called Broby, uh, a cat thing called Tootie, and a pink flower called uh, 
Fufa and uh, Plex is the robot. But they 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 interact the rest of the show in this you know in this land, all of which takes place on the tabletop. Um, and it's basic social skills that they're teaching children. Don't bite your friends, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, the, teaching about the weather and what things are, and it's okay to cry. You know, it's, you know, just basic stuff like that. But uh-huh. the cool thing about it was it incorporated um, a lot of a lot of music and featured a lot of musicians. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Mothersbarg, one of the original founders of Devo. Mm-hmm. Appeared in the show, did a lot of music for the show. I think he did most of the scores. Um, you know, the Roots had a had a song segment in there. Erica Badu showed up. Paul Williams, mm-hmm. old school Paul Williams, showed mm-hmm. up. You know, um, but one of my favorite episodes was an episode that aired March of um, 2010 called Superhero, mm-hmm. and Superhero um, featured Most Deaf. Hmm. Formerly known as Most Def, now known as Yasin Bey, uh, who plays Super Mr. Superhero. And the point of the whole episode is that he is looking for an alien monster that seems to have found itself in Yo Gabba Gabba Land and is, is kind of, you know, scaring the the main characters. And so Mr. Super Superhero, who his outfit is like red and yellow, kind of like Shazam, Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wears crocodile Gucci loafers <laughs> and kazals. Oh, man, this is wild. <laughs> and it becomes a friendship episode that even though people are different from one another, you know, there are some commonalities and you should approach them as friends. Yo, Gabba Gabba. Yo, Gabba Gabba. It's a great show, man. It's, still, <laughs> it's a great show. So you watching this with your daughter and like you into it probably more than she's into it. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, Bismarcky is in there just, you know, doing like rhyming lessons and... Now let me ask yeah, you, little, did, little you did you find this show for her or did you happen to come in a room one day and she was watching it? Um, I think it was the latter. I think her older brother, who at the time was probably 10, mm-hmm. had come across it. It was a show on Nick Jr. So it was a pleasant surprise for you. Oh, absolutely. Is, wait, Yo Gabba Gabba? No problem. <laughs> right. Right. Let's do it. Right. Did you Let's ever see um, Class of 3000, Andre 3000? I did. That was a, yeah, I did. Yeah, that was, I had the album. Yeah, the album was, is, that, that, I'm like, yo, that album is dope. That's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I used to listen to that with my son all the time. All right, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, hit us in the, in the, on, the, on Twitter if you guys have heard of or seen Yo Gabba Gabba. Um, yeah. Let us know. In fact, on YouTube, if you search Yo Gabba Gabba Superhero, you can find you can find the 15 minute most deaf clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how many of our of our Mad Unreal fam is uh, on your side with the, the Yo Gabba Gabba love. Um, all right, so let's do uh, do film. You, you go first. What's your favorite? Um, and I, we should we should you know clarify that favorite doesn't mean best. You know, there's a difference. You right. Know, we can be objective and say you know certain things are better than, but these are favorites. So right. what's your favorite unreal film of the last 10 years? Tell me if this surprises you. My favorite is from 2010 inception by Christopher Nolan. Mm, that was 2010. That was 2010. So let's see. Okay. Yeah. Cause dark Knight came out in 2008 and then it came yeah. out between that and dark. The okay. treatment Nolan wrote the treatment in 2002. Okay. But the, and wrote it as a horror film. 
Hmm. I didn't that know takes that. That takes place in dreamscapes. Mm-hmm. But he felt that the scope of the film, in order to really do justice to telling the story, mm-hmm. that he really didn't have the experience for. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he opted to do Batman Begins, like opted, right? But right. He, 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 he was, was offered and enough, chose, yeah. <laughs> fortunate enough, you know, to do Batman Begins and uh, The Prestige. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Prestige was a good movie, too. It was kind of, it was a little wild, but it was good, too. So let me, I'm not, I'm not surprised that that this your pick. I mean, I think it's, it's a really, really interesting and really good, really well handled action film. Um, I, there's some, I have some slight issues with it in some parts, mm-hmm. but I mean, the concept was, you know, to me is dope. So why, you know, why did you pick it? Why is it your fave? You know, I thought it was a really interesting take on, on espionage. Mm-hmm. Um, Leo Di- Leonardo Ca- DiCaprio, uh, who I, re- I really do like his work as an actor. Um, you know, he plays, uh, he plays the leader of a crew that experiment in drug induced um, sleep in order to infiltrate the dreams of their targets mm-hmm. to extract information mm-hmm. um, and deliver that information to their clients. So, it, you know, so it all has to take place obviously in, in, in memory because you can't take anything from you from a dream. Dream right. with right. you to reality, right? And their main, and, their main objective in the film is to implant. You know, it's reverse. They're trying to implant an idea into this guy, right? And the setup is is um, the main um, client. The driver for this is uh, Ken Watanabe's character Sato, mm-hmm. who actually arranges a job mm-hmm. for Cobb and his crew to test him, right? To My see man, how good he I loved is, him. I loved him in that that role, man. He had two. He had the two best lines in the movie, in my opinion. He had the line where, in the beginning, where he asked him, you know, how do I know I can trust you? And Sato's just like, you don't. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says it with a smile on his face. He's like, motherfucker, you don't. You know, you just have to right. roll with me because you ain't got no other choice. And then he, the second best, of course, hey, this was a meme for a long time, or a gif also, was when he. uh you know, he said, you know, I bought the airline. The dude was like, you know, we can't get first class, blah, 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 blah. He's like, oh, well, I, I bought the airline, you know, because it's just that was the most convenient thing to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he, had, he was he, I loved his character in this film. Um, I, I, yeah, I just thought it was um, a really good, uh, you know, an, an ensemble cast mm-hmm. of, of characters, of actors and actresses that appeared in previous Nolan films. You know, we had Michael Caine um, back. Um, 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 Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I don't Joseph know if he, Gordon he, Levitt. He, he was in Dark Knight Rises, um, but uh, yeah, Michael Caine, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Cillian Murphy, Tom Hardy, played. Tom Hardy, yeah, um, and Marianne Cot- Cotillard. I can't remember. I can never pronounce the name right. But she was, she was in Inception. She was in Dark Knight Rises. Um, so yeah, he plays a lot. He's he, he he's like one of those Spike Lee type directors who constantly has kind of the same a lot of the same characters and or actors he yeah. works with, but. And, and just the idea of you know of, of of going in limbo, that going down layers and layers and layers of dreams, you know, so deep that it's difficult to come out, and you lose sight of what's real and what's what's still in the dream. Right, and the movie you know, ends really with us not knowing, supposedly not really knowing if it's a you know if that last scene is a dream or if he's back. Right, the spinning reality, top scene, which I've always I've always fallen along the lines of that. 
the um what was that thing he spun the uh the the whatever the hell that the thing token was. yeah the uh the totem um, yeah his totem like I, I always totem. felt that it, it fell that he was actually in the real world you know because right before the movie it looks like it's about to fall to me so mm-hmm. it felt like he's in the real i world. agree i agree i think he's in the real world at that point and is reunited with his uh with his children mm-hmm. this is basically nolan's bond film you know he, there was a lot of homages to james bond in this movie mm-hmm. um, especially that that snow sequence um, and because it was a dream, you were able to do the type of almost matrix esque type effects, right? And yeah. have it not be cliche, right? Yeah, the fight scene in the hotel was ridiculous. Yeah, that was that was that was dope. And how the cityscape wraps around oh, itself. Yeah. yeah, the yeah that when Paris wrapped around itself. There's some good, cool. really good visuals in there. All right, um, so mine, I wanted to pick a non MCU film, um, which you did as well mm-hmm. but i wanted to specifically pick because i mean you know marvel dominated this decade you know really started in 2008 but then they mm-hmm. you know going into the, the 2010s they dominated this decade so um i do have a couple you know mcu films that i think are just you know at the, at the top of my list for um the 2010s but for this <clears throat> i wanted to make sure i really wanted to pick a non-marvel film so my favorite unreal film of the last 10 years actually only came out a year ago and that is spider-man into the spider-verse i knew it (laughs) this movie man that was one of mine but i knew it yeah this this was a mind-blowing film man this this movie was and listen i have not watched this movie a lot i saw it in the theater once Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wanted to go a second time but just couldn't get to the theater but i I saw it once then got the blu-ray um slash 4k joint and Mm -hmm. i watched that twice the reason I've only watched it three times is that this movie, this is a lot of movie. This is not mm-hmm. just a movie that you can, you know, hey, I got, you know, you know, some films, if you've seen them a bunch of times, you can just run it in the background, do the dishes or, whatever, or something. I can just throw it in, watch a couple scenes. Yeah. Even with Inception, I used to do that with Inception, you know, because I knew Inception backwards and forwards. So I could just, you know, watch it whenever I wanted to. This movie is just so layered. Um, it is essentially, you know, you hear this a lot. You hear this phrase a lot. It's a comic book come to life, but this is actually a comic book come to life. This is actually mm-hmm. a comic book put on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, a, it is an homage to comic books. It's a love letter to comic books. It's a, it, and it is a comic book. It is essentially mm-hmm. a comic book. Mm-hmm. And not just that, not just in his visual storytelling, but in its actual written storytelling, it's a comic book. Um, there's many layers to the story. It did things that I didn't think you could do with a movie. Um, and, and just all the nods that it gives, all the references, all the, mm-hmm. the universe building it does. And then the bringing in of all the other different Spider-Man universes yeah. um, in both, you know, very subtle ways and in very direct ways. Um, every time I, I've seen it, the three times I've, no, the three or four times I've seen it, I see new things all the time. You know, I see different things. Mm-hmm. I get different things out of it. Um, it is one of, it, you know, overall, it's one of the best comic book films I've ever seen. It's one of the best films I've ever seen. Uh, I'll just say it. And I think what really shocked me, and I said this before in a previous episode, when I first saw this movie, what really shocked me, because I kind of got a hint of the other elements in the trailers, but I had no idea that they were going to tell a, you know, a very meaningful father-son story. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. did. Uh, and they showed you know, the relationship, not only even with Miles and his father, but even Miles and his uncle, 
you know, and they, that, that, that relationship and just what that meant to miles as a, a young boy growing into, you know, heading towards manhood. And then who suddenly gets mm-hmm. all this responsibility shoved on his shoulders because now he has all these abilities, all these powers. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's fun. It's dramatic. It's action oriented. It's funny. It's, um, heartbreaking it's at times. Yeah. Um, it's relatable, very it's relatable. relatable. There's mm-hmm. real pathos. I mean, it's just it's it's a good movie, man. It's a really, really extremely well made movie. The next one I think comes out in 2022. Um, it takes a long time to do these films, man. You know, animated films take a long time anyway. But this one, when you look at it, you see how much detail is in every damn scene. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes sense. It's going to take them a while, but yeah, that was that was my favorite Unreal. Um, flick of the last decade um did you have a runner-up did you already say you had a runner-up to your unreal to to inception you did you not um rogue one was a phenomenal movie mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. everybody talks about star wars as a western um but there was a ruthless side to star wars the greediness of it the 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 loss mm-hmm. the the personal pain and sacrifice that you don't get in the Western side, and I'm using that in quotes, you know, right. that you got in Rogue One. Right. You know, yeah. and it really kind of gave a feeling of what it was like to be occupied mm. by, a, by a force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, man, that opening scene, man, that, that was, I mean, not only just the sense of dread that you got, you know what I'm saying, once Krennic lands. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Arthur and I are in the Krennic fan club and, you know, forever lament the fact that they, he got killed off. I really wish he would have lived, um, and then come back, like, you know, got carbonated or some shit and it came back later, but that, yeah, Krennic, the dread that he brings, but the way it was shot, you know, looking at that, that open field and just when them mm-hmm. storm, that was a, one of the few times in the films where the stormtroopers actually look really menacing to me. Like yeah, I was like, troopers all black, right. right. <laughs> and formation. Then, and then when they capped old girl, it was just like, yo, this is, you know, this is different. You know, there's a sense of danger here. The third act was just like, wow, like, man, they brought it. Tony Gilroy really and uh, the, um, Gareth Edwards, they, they really brought it. So I think Tony Gilroy is actually doing, is he doing some of the Obi-Wan series? No. What's he doing? Because I know Deborah Chow is doing directing all the Obi-Wan series. I think... Um, but Tony Gilroy is now associated with something. I don't know if he's writing something Star Wars, but I saw his name in, in something recently. Um, but yeah, I can't be mad at that pick, Rogue One. So my here's my runner-up. My runner-up, really quickly, was um, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, okay. And I vacillate between what's my favorite Mission Impossible film, either Fallout or Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, although, and you listen, Ghost Protocol... You know what I'm saying? These three films are like, you know, neck and neck almost to me. Yeah. But I vacillate between Rogue Nation and, and Fallout, you know, which one is better. They seem almost as part of the same movie to me. Um, but, yo, I'm, j- I'm just picking Fallout for today. That's my run up because that I feel like those these those two films really have changed the action landscape. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like to do that in 2000, the, la- the latter half of, you know, uh, of 2000, um, the 2010s to kind of change the game for Tom Cruise and and to, to change the game at this point was just a phenomenal achievement and fallout is just, man, that movie will make you tired, man. Like I I really like it. You'll get, you'll get, you know, a little worn out watching that in a good way. 
um, especially so, some of those 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 chase scenes. The um, stunts. I mean, when Tom is just getting thrown about, he's getting. I mean, he's like, God damn! It's like you just, you know what I mean? It's like your body hurts. That dude. Those some of those Watching last him. those um, penultimate scenes in Fallout when they go to IMAX, you know, and so your screen it just covers the whole screen, and he's in the helicopter and the side of the cliff and just mm-hmm. it's just man it's it's a it's a phenomenal film i'm kind of concerned though they're filming the next two mission impossible possible films uh christopher mccrory they're filming these back to back um because mm. i guess you know Cruz is 52 53 years old or whatever he is so it's like we need to go ahead and knock these out i'm a little bit concerned about that i can't remember the last time you know i filmed something back to back and it was like both were just like you know really dope you know matrix no um, you're a Lord of the Rings type person, so you tell me. Um, I don't know. I think they did those. That's, back that's back. the last one that I can think of, not, and not not the Hobbit, but the original, the original, the original. Lord of the Rings trilogy. Okay. So yeah, I'm a little concerned that, but I'm hoping that they're going to live up to these uh, last three films. So that was my runner up. But yo, I know we got to get out of here. Um, it's been an extra long episode, but I think that's cool because yo, this is other than the special Star Wars episode that we're, you guys are going to get on New Year's Day. This is the last episode of the year. Um, for Mad Unreal. So I feel like it was appropriate that we went a little long. I hope you guys stayed with us and enjoyed this. Subscribe, um, subscribe, 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 subscribe. Oh, Jesus, Arthur. We got a couple of listener questions we got to get to, man. I can't. We got to do at least two. At least two. I'm sorry. We got to do at least two because uh, there's a couple good ones here and we, we absolutely need to, to, to pay some homage to our listeners, man, because they've been hitting us on Twitter. Um, so really quickly, um, I want to get to a couple of these and have something to do with a couple of the things we talked about today. Um, my man at victory CB talked about the, uh, the black widow trailer, uh, mm-hmm. not sold on the black widow trailer, agreed that this should have come out during the second phase of the MCU. See, I told you, um, mm-hmm. he says it seems dated now. Um, then he goes on to talk about no time to die. No time to die images look like they could be <laughs> look like they could be from an American Eagle Outfitters catalog, but with guns. <laughs> then he says Anna de Armas is giving me FACW vibes, though. Do you know what FACW is? Fine ass Colleen. <laughs> yes, hearkening back to I think it was a SO, it was a Snobs on Film episode. I think we were talking about. Yeah, just forget Colleen's uh, last name. Colleen from Luke Cage. Yeah, Luke Cage and um, Iron Fist, and we kind of coined the phrase talking about Colleen Wing's character. Um, I think it was Arthur that coined the phrase, fine uh, No, <laughs> I believe that was Jahan. <laughs> Actually, it was me. I'm not even going to put that on Jay. It was me. I'm not even going to put that on Jay. He's not here to defend himself, so it was me. But fine-ass Colleen Wing. So that's that's taken off on Twitter a little bit. So my man uh, at Victory CB is saying that Anna DeArmas is giving him some FACW vibes. I'm with him on that. I'm with him. Um... All right, uh, quickly, quickly. Um, let me see. Uh, my man Demancy um, says that he is hopeful that Black Widow will achieve Winter Soldier levels of quality, um, mm-hmm. so that we can get an Ultimates movie. If you, you comic book heads, you guys know what the Ultimates is. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm with him. I'm hoping that Black Widow will at least reach, like I said, Winter Soldier. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know based on that trailer. I'm really dubious as to is, if it's mm-hmm. going to do that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm with uh, at Demancy. I feel that. If Black Widow can at least be Winter Soldier level, we got a winner, you know. But if it's if it falls beneath that, I'm I'm kind of disappointed mm-hmm. in the fact that it they just feels more Ragnarok years. to me, and that's not her. That's not her vibe. Yeah, that's not her vibe. Um, he also Demancy at Demancy also goes on to say, if the best parts of No Time to Die were featured in the trailer, he's going to be pissed. I don't think you have to worry about that, bro. I think that we got um, we're going to get a whole lot more. 
Um, one more. Let's get one more in here. Um, fuck it. Let's get two more. Uh, at Nipsey, um, frequent uh, supporter on Twitter, at Nipsey, Stephen B. Um, at Nipsey says, uh, Ghostbusters, it looks more appealing um, than, the re- than the reboot from a couple years mm. ago. So he's mm-hmm. talking about the 2016 film. But he says he's still not too interested. That's interesting to me that he's not as interested. I, I, maybe if, if you listen to Ad Nipsey, hit us back up and let us know why that trailer didn't necessarily do it for you. Because um, it definitely did it for me and Arthur. Um, one more listener thought question. Um, my man at JPNT17. Um, he suggests something really interesting to me. He's suggesting um, that instead of doing because um, remember we talked about Michael B. Jordan possibly being you know the first black Superman a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. Um, instead of him doing instead of them doing a black Superman Clark Kent slash uh, what was the other the, the cat we found out after the episode there was a comic with um, a black Superman but he wasn't Clark Kent um, it was another character but at JPNT17 is suggesting that instead of doing that um, the DCEU just pursues a Martian Manhunter project. Um, I'm with him. I'm not a Superman head. I'm not a Superman fanatic. I think that Martian Manhunter, John, John Jones, John Jones or whatever his name is, um, yeah. as he appears in the old, um, in the comics and in the old um, Justice League animated series, is a much more interesting character. This is a Martian who, you know, can assume any shape, any form, um, and chooses for as his, you know, his earth identity to be a black man. That's intriguing to me. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree. And, and, in the reference to, uh, uh, Calvin Ellis, Calvin is, Ellis, that was, really the, that was the black Superman in the comics. Is, yeah. is, is, is fine too. I just feel that it makes it, easy for for dc to not to tell the hard story mm-hmm. you somebody know? if they Which, go the calvin ellis route yeah mm-hmm. yeah because it um, gives them out yeah yeah because you know i mean by definition and irony aside because i mean if we're talking about you know we're talking about you know a man that just flies around and and, and can't die but mm-hmm. i'm saying it 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 makes it seem like hey here's a character that isn't even in the same universe that we all know Superman to be in. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother story to begin with, you right. know, um, as opposed to what if Superman were, and I think you said some of this, not even just that, you know, if, if Superman were black, but Hey, let's deal with the fact that here's this alien. Mm-hmm. Who's right. here? Is there a right. whole planet of these people right. that are coming for us too? Because this one found where we are. Right. You know, is there a whole planet of black people that's about to show up, and they've all got superpowers. Right. 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 Or the narrative, or the narrative of Kal-El, you know, crash landing in, you know, in Omaha or whatever, and Mister and Missus Kent mm-hmm. pick him up, and it's this child of color. Mm-hmm. Right. You Do know, they, does it this foster the child of color? How does that? How does that go? Right. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I think I, I think it was you know the Calvin Ellis thing. I believe, and I don't quote me on this, and we can talk about it on another show. But I think it was two. I think it was a white writer and a white artist who came up with this character. If I'm mm-hmm. wrong, you know, you guys hit me um, on Twitter, let me know. But I I do feel like it was kind of like a way to invent something that sidestepped a lot of the issues. You know, what I'm saying that could kind of like oh, it's not Clark Kent, 
is Calvin Ellis. Now, yeah. you could also say they did the same thing with Miles Morales. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, but that just goes to my point about Superman doesn't wear a mask. Right, right. You, you this look is who, you This see is who, what yeah. Superman looks like, and he's looked like this for, you know, 50, 60, 70 years or however long before when Action Comics number one came out. You know, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, because he wears a mask, because he lives in Brooklyn, because he, he, he uh, excuse me, good Lord, but Captain America lives in Brooklyn, because Queens. he comes from Queens, he lives in Queens, mm-hmm. you know, he's a teenager, you know, that 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 story model is easily adaptable for you know for different races right right yeah i feel you now and even with miles morales i mean you know i have issues with the multiverse period <laughs> just the concept <laughs> That's, of the multiverse. no we need to just do a whole episode on the concept of multiverse and then you can get it all out of your system you know but the fact that it happens okay fine it it, it the way that the way that the way that into into the spider verse into the spider verse was done it, it, it's the one that made sense to me, mm-hmm. and I think it was the combination of the presentation as a as a fully animated film, not a CGI based film mm-hmm. with with you know real actors, and because animation is it's a much more pliable medium to tell these types of fantastical stories, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, but I am uh, just at base level, you know, I am against the notion that we have to insert people of color into these traditionally non-people of color characters for the sake of what's about time. Right. Or for some sort of validity. Yeah. 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 That's why I'm with, I'm with, um, at JPNT one seven, um, my man, Jeffrey, because I feel that Martian Manhunter's story is more intriguing to me. And the fact that he came to earth and chose to be a black man, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, like who does that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like you remember the old Chris Rock bit when he was like, "Yo, I there's a waiter." He was you know on stage talking about, "Yo, there's a white waiter in here somewhere in this this auditorium who would rather stay white than trade places with me, and I'm mm-hmm. rich." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> He's like the waiter is just like thinking, "Now nah, I'll, I'll ride this white thing out." I'll you know ride this saying? out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the yeah, Martian Manhunter. That'd be a more intriguing story from that in that context. So yo. Um, at Nipsey, at JPNT17, at Demancy, at Victory CB, um, all our other Twitter followers who I didn't get to this time, and we definitely won't get to you next time. We just want to thank you guys for um, you know supporting us and hitting us with your questions and your thoughts. Please keep them coming. Um, and we might actually end up doing a show where we just do all listener questions, like do a whole show of just listener, listener stuff. So hit us up um, and hashtag it mad unreal. Um, so we get it and we will um, keep you guys in the queue and then keep you uh, get you guys on the show. So, yo, this this has been fun, man. And, you know, uh, I'm going to talk to you, obviously, but, you know, happy, happy 2020, happy 2020 to all our um, listeners and, you know, whatever holidays you celebrate um, over the next couple of weeks or if you don't celebrate them at all. Happy whatever. Um, yeah, but this has been fun. So uh, we, we really appreciate you guys the support. Like Arthur said, subscribe. Um, where should they go? They should like us or somewhere, somewhere. Uh, Arthur on on Apple or podcast. You 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 know all that stuff. So what, what should they do? <laughs> right, right. Uh, what we would really love is uh, subscriptions, of course, and reviews. And um, Apple Podcast is the primary method to doing uh, both. We are available uh, on Spotify, where you can where you can follow us. Uh, we are found on. Uh, 
Stitcher and Overcast and Pocketcast and anywhere that fine RSS feeds uh, are consumed. Um, my Twitter handle is at Arthur, A-R-R-T-H-U-R-R. And Isaac, you already said, right? I am. Uh, you can find me at Isaac Perry on Twitter and on um, Instagram. And we will see you guys on New Year's Day with our very special Star Wars episode. Um, make sure you're watching The Mandalorian. Make sure you go out and see um, Rise of Skywalker and um, join us here on New Year's Day to um, to discuss all of that. And prior to that, make sure you hashtag all your stuff. Mad Unreal, hit us with your thoughts on Mandalorian and um, uh, uh, Rise of Skywalker so we can get you guys on the show. All right. As Arthur would say, that's a full what? lid. That's a full lid. All right, peace. Keep it unreal. Peace.